Shout out to Steve Train. Jump on the Steve Train. We real estate disruptors. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Real Estate Disruptors. Today, we've got David Oles with Easy REI. David flew in from Chattanooga, Tennessee, to talk about how he bought $7 million in real estate with just $10,000. Now, I'm on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on the show alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, you will become one. We also know the fastest way to become a millionaire is to get good at sales. Our sales community was launched just a couple of months ago, and the community members are already closing more deals now. If you haven't checked it out, go to salesdisruptors.com to surround yourself with sales assassins from across the country. And this show is brought to you by our sister company, InvestorLift. Get access to 2 million cash buyers across the country. Go to InvestorLift.com, put in disruptors to get 10% off. And if you get value today, please hit that subscribe button. That way we can all grow together. We don't charge for this show. So please, that's the cost to you. Just subscribe, please. Uh, and with that, let's go ahead and get into it. You ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. A little, so a little nervous, a little excited. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. You are a very, very big name in the industry. So that is not true. Now oh, you're making you. me blush. These red lights <laughs> are covering up some of the yeah, blushing here. Yeah. All right. So first question is, yeah, what got you into real estate? <sighs> wow. Okay. So, um, I grew up, I actually grew up in Boston, um, Catholic high school, went to University of Massachusetts. I'm not hearing that. You're not? I'm not hearing the Boston. Oh, no, 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 no. So I've moved. I've lived all over the country, so I've lost all of that. But if you want to talk to somebody from Boston, we'll talk about parking the car in Harvard Yard. We can, I'll fall right back into it. That's, that's what I was. Yeah, about. yeah. No, I, I've, 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 I'm a little homogenized now because I've been all over the country. But um, yeah, so, so anyway, so I grew up, my dad, great guy, lots of I spent my life as a kid, like doing additions on the house and fixing up and all of those things. Right. Like my dad, I had uh, like two hours of chores to do every day. Like it was very strict, very strict upbringing. And, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I said, uh, cause I was like raking the lawn, raking leaves and just all this work as a kid. And I said, boy, when I grow up, I'm, I'm going to have a condo and I'm never going to do any work on houses <laughs> ever because I wouldn't put my kids through that. But, um, so how I got interested in real estate, um, let's see, moved to Florida after I graduated graduated college and I went to work for a hardware company down there called Scotty's Hardware Stores. Um, very, I became their youngest store manager ever. It was pretty successful. It was moving around a lot. And I moved 11 times in nine years. And one of the things my dad did say to me, is like, boy, if you'd have just bought a house all over Florida and just kept it as a rental instead of renting all the time yourself, you'd be really rich. I'm like, ah, oh, who wants to do that? Right. So, um, so what happened one day, my wife and I bought our first house real short story. We didn't realize why we were buying it from Wells Fargo. I got, I came out of the closing and I talked to my realtor. I'm like, who, who was the seller? She's like, well, it was Wells Fargo. I'm like, well, why was I buying it from Wells Fargo? She's like, well, it was a foreclosure dummy. I'm like, okay, I don't really know what that means. But mm -hmm. so we bought the house, but because I work for this hardware store and I'd been around my parents fixing up houses and doing that stuff, the natural thing to do was, well, let's fix it up. Like, let's replace this pink carpet with some laminate and mm -hmm. let's take out these sliding glass doors and put in French doors. And we just did a little bit of that type of stuff over the course of two years and we resold it and we made $50,000. Mm -hmm. Like, well, that was fun. Same realtor going to the closing on that one. She says, hey, do you know that you get to keep all of this and you don't have to pay taxes? I'm like, right. well, why? She said, because it was your primary residence, dummy. She called me dummy a lot, right? <laughs> but and I'm like, oh, well, that was really cool. 
So, so that, you know, because I had that little bit of a background, now I'm like, oh, we can just buy a house, live in it for two years, fix it up and make a bunch of money. Like, let's do that. Mm-hmm. So we, we bought another one. And one day I happened to be at the Orlando airport. I was waiting on our kids to come back in on a flight. I was at the airport and it's the most cliche thing ever. You know where this is going to end up. I'm at the bookstore. I pick up a book. I'm reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? Yeah. Like, it just is, right? It's the truth. And I'm reading it. I'm like, well, this makes a lot of sense. This is really cool. And at the end, what does Kiyosaki say? He's like, well, if you want to be in real estate, go find like a real estate group or a real estate association. And this is back now, 2004 or five, right? Mm -hmm. So I go to my big, big monitor computer, right? Web crawler, you know, like Google didn't even exist then. And I'm like, real estate group, Orlando, like, you know, like a caveman computer. (laughs) And uh, um, this wholesaler's website came up. His name is Todd Hutchinson, still friends with him in Orlando. And he had this resources page and it said, uh, if you want to learn about real estate, go to this link. And it was CFRI.net, Central Florida Real Estate Investors. I'm like, okay, cool. So I go to that and they're like, we have these meetings. So that was sort of how I got started. I, I started getting involved in the RIA and still worked full time and just got really immersed in, in real estate and took all the classes and got all the coaching and, you know, tried to do all of the things. And, um, started learning about creative financing and subject to, and you know, all of those types of things. So you moved 11 times in nine years. Yes. Yeah. That's what you, that's yeah. Yeah. That was the tough part. Why were you moving so much? So here's what happened. This was before I got married. So I was a store manager for this hardware company and I was really good. Like I was a really good merchandiser. I was a good salesperson. And what happens when you're 25 and you work for a company like that, which is 177 stores at the time in Florida, every time they fire a manager, who are they going to move? They're not going to call Steve, who has a bunch of kids, right? <laughs> and a wife and all of that stuff. Who do they call? The young guy who's single. The guy who with no responsibilities. Literally, I would get called on a Thursday and be on the other side of the state on Monday. So that was why, right? So I would be the guy who would go in and, you know, fire those managers, hire new ones, get the store up and running. You're the efficiency expert. Well, yes, yes, turns out. Um so yeah, so that just kept happening over and over and over again. I'm like, I need to get married to stop this. Like, <laughs> this is defense mechanism. <laughs> That's right. So the good part was I got a raise every time. So I was making a lot of money and it was yeah. really great. But yeah, it, it gets tiresome after a while. So you you make 50K on your first one, tax-free, because yeah. it's tax a free. primary residence for yeah. two years. Yep. And you're like, this is cool. It's really cool. Yeah. And you bought another house with the intent to do it again. Yes. Yeah. And in those time, in that time, you mm-hmm. picked. Then you picked up Rich Dad Poor Dad. Yeah, we were in. We were in the middle of that second one when I picked it up. Okay. Yeah. And so you go to this uh, real estate investor association. Yeah. Uh, Todd Hutchinson. That name really rings a bell. I think he's yeah. done some pretty big. He, oh, he used to own. I buy houses or something like that, and he yeah. had it. He, he, I think he sold territories and stuff. Yeah, he's he's a uh, yeah really smart. Yeah, guy. so he's he's a bigger name mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah. Was he that same? Like, did, did his reach grow from that time? Or I he don't was already, think so. I, so he was already kind of like yeah, out he, there. He was just, yeah, he was just a local guy, local okay. to, to Orlando. Okay. And so you joined this meetup. Yep. And then it sounds like you bought every coaching program under the sun. Pretty much. Okay. Pretty much. As many as I could. And I would volunteer to like you know, check people off as they came in mm-hmm. to be able to sit there as an attendee. Like mm-hmm. I did everything I could to be immersed in, in I mean, real you went all in hundred percent. How was that experience? So on a couple of different levels, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, good because I was learning a lot of things. I was reading a lot of books, you know, back in those days, 
right? Because I'm the old guy now, right, in real estate. Look, I get it. Sometimes I'll just say, you know, in the before time. In the before time, before <laughs> Facebook times, right? Before Sean Terry is kind of how Be, I describe it. Yeah, right. So you'll remember this. You're almost as old as me. But like back then, like real estate education, there was one guy on YouTube. Mm-hmm. It was Ty Taylor, the flip man. Mm-hmm. That was it. Mm-hmm. I've watched all of his videos countless times. And then there was a Wednesday night webinar. Mm-hmm. Tim Mai, Preston Ely, you know, those guys, Stan Merrill. There would be a webinar on Wednesday. It would be a bunch of content. And then, of course, they're selling you something at the upsell. end, which is upsell. Fine. Perfect. Mm-hmm. But, like, I was just trying to absorb as much as I, as much as I could back then. So the good side, learning a lot of stuff. Still incredibly shy. The guy in the back of the room, afraid to talk to anybody. Which is, You were afraid to talk to people. Dude, I, I'm going to tell you a story in one second. Okay, let me get through this one. But, yes. Um, Here's the, was the bad part was that I was, I still worked a full-time job, 40, 50, 60 hours a week, a lot, um, had a great job, but you work 40, 50 hours a week and then you're consumed for another 20 hours. There's something that gets squeezed out there. Right. And thank God that I'm blessed enough to have an understanding wife who believed in, in what we were doing and, you know, my two boys, but yeah, there were times where like I was the guy in the third bedroom doing real estate, trying to figure it out at night mm-hmm. and not being the greatest dad. So like, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, personalities and needing therapy, which I think most <laughs> investors probably do, but there was no balance, right? Yeah. I was fully committed to, to growing, growing up a business. And I didn't even know what that meant at that time, yeah. but I knew something was going to happen. Sure. So going back to signing up for every single program, yeah. what percentage of those programs did you execute? Um, I was pretty consistent. So uh, 70%, right. And, and, and what it was, you know, it was a weekend course on land trusts, right? So of course we do land trusts. It was, you know, a coaching program, learn to do subject to mentoring, to do wholesaling, you know, all of those types of things. Um, so I hear a lot of people like, oh, these courses are they're junk. They don't work. No, no, no. All the courses work. Mm-hmm. Like, unless it's real trash, right? But the, the, the vast majority of all the courses work, just typically the person doesn't right. do the work. To well, I bring involved. it up because, like, right now, you know, for a person that's listening to this show, mm-hmm. you might be considering, you know, my sales training. Yeah, hand dude, hand. which I've only heard great things from it. I know you just had a, a big event, like, last weekend, right? Last weekend, yeah. Yeah, packed it out. Uh, right. So they're looking at my sales training. Yeah. They're looking at Brent Daniels. Dude, right? I'm an original TTP guy. TTP guy. Love right? it. They might be looking at sub two. Yeah. Astro. Mm-hmm. Right. There's Ryan Zolan with uh, agent investors. Yeah. Uh, there's Chris Jefferson with start flipping deals. God, Chris has been around since Aaron I started. Brewer with Brewer method. RJ yeah, Bates with Titan, right? Like that's eight different programs yeah. that we kind of talk about periodically on the show. Yeah. You, I mean, how many of those programs would you have bought back then? All of them. All of them. All of them. Right? So yeah. how do you balance that? Or how did yeah. you balance that so in that time? It's interesting because it's going to get into where, we, where, where we're talking about buying the houses. Um, there's something to be gained out of all of those courses, right? There's Bruce Lee, right? We're going mm-hmm. to take what's useful, absorb it, and discard, disregard the rest. There's something in all of those courses that, that's going to be useful. And typically, not to get too esoteric, but there's going to be some universal truth that runs through all of them, right? Absolutely. There's going to be some sales techniques, talking to people. Like, there's going to be some... Some commonality. Sales techniques don't work if you're not talking to people. What? <laughs> what? I can't do this from my from my couch and my underwear eating my Fruit Loops. Come on, man. Um, yeah, there, there's going to be something that that runs through all of them. So, a couple things with with I think where you're going. I hope this is where you're going. There's a lot of ways to do real estate, mm-hmm. right? You can be 
you know, the wholesaler, the, the fix and flipper, the apartment guy, the storage unit, right? Like there's, it's like being a doctor. You'd be the eye doctor, the nose doctor, the toe doctor, the butt doctor, whatever, right? There's lots of ways to do real estate and be in medicine, right? So you have to find the part of real estate that you love and that resonates with you, right? Yeah. I would not be good at doing short sales, right? It's also like running a transactions company, right? Mm -hmm. Like I am not going to be good at sitting on the phone all the day. It's, it's not the thing I'm like, I like, I do kind of like to talk to people, even though I am introverted, but um, you know, so, so in all of those courses, there are a lot of different things that are going to appeal to different people in their personality types. So you have to find the one that's, that's going to work for you. But beyond that sub two and novations and, you know, brewer and uh, you know, talk to people, of course is good. It's good for all of them. Um, you know, now you have a bat belt, right? You have this belt of all of these different tools. And the way to, for me, the way to look at that is not to try to shoehorn, you know, this strategy into this deal. I think that's the wrong approach. And I see some people doing that. But let's talk to the seller and find out, hey, Mrs. Smith, what's going on? How can I help you? Oh, you're going into foreclosure or, oh, some Mr. Smith passed away. Whatever the situation is now, now I've got this, this group of tools and I can go, this is the one where I can help, right? Because that's right. our job as a, as a wholesaler is to help people not, yeah. make, not make situations problems. worse. Right. So I don't hope that that answered the question. It answers uh, the question partially. Okay. So for a person that's listening right now, though, yeah. like, would you recommend, mm -hmm. like, there's a person right now who's working a nine to five. Yeah. Maybe a hardware store, right? Yeah. He's listening to this. Yeah. And he's thinking, well, should I buy all the programs? Yeah. Should I buy some of the programs? Yeah. Should I only buy one program yeah. and just focus on that? Like, mm -hmm. do, I'm, I'm going would, to, what I'm going to say start recommend? with sales. Yeah. Right. I'm going to start with sales and, Let's do something that's going to give you a quick win. Yeah. Right. Let's even. You this know, is not a. This is not a paid plug here. No. I listen. I, I've, I have lots of people that have gone through the training, so I know it's good. Um, even in our own company, when we would hire an acquisitions or dispositions people, mm -hmm. right? We want them to get a quick win. We want our salespeople to get that fast, the fastest win possible. They now need that they, adrenaline rush. Well, and now they believe. Yeah. Right. So there are a lot of people who are probably watching this who are like, "Yeah, I think wholesaling works. I think wholesaling would be really great." I think, I think, I think, I think, I think, but like the reality is it's happening a thousand times a day across the United States. Our company closes a ton of them. Like I know it's happening, but until you get that first one, mm -hmm. you don't believe it. Right. Yeah. So I would say focus on sales because then now we can start to add some other things in, right? Like we need to have that baseline of being able to talk to people, right? Some, how to communicate, how to have some tonality and you know, how to, how to do those types of things, body language. Then we can add in, Oh, well, Mr. Seller, you know, I understand you're getting relocated to, you know, to Maine next week and you, know, you can't afford the payment here and the payment there and you, know, you really owe what it's worth. Hey, I do have this program mm -hmm. up too, right? Oh, hey, you know, I know, you know, you've got a little bit of equity in this, in this deal. Um, you know, you'd love to sell it, but you don't really have to sell it, but you don't, you're going to be gone and you don't want to deal with the agents. Through our method, right? right. Like there, there's going to be a different tool that you're going to pull out of your tool belt to, to handle that problem right. for the seller. Okay. But, but I would say it all starts with sales for sure. And talk yeah. to people, talk to people for sure. Yeah. All right. So you bought everything under the sun and you made it happen. What was, yeah. you, some things didn't work though. Oh, well, some things didn't work, but right. eventually you were able to, yeah. uh, obviously run a real estate business. So <laughs> yes. around when did you say you picked up rich? I poor dad. Oh, 2004 ish. 2004 ish. Yeah. You go to, you go to a real estate investor meetup. Well, sort of. Sort of. The first time. So I'm on the computer and I remember it is, it's July and it says the meeting is the first Wednesday of the month. Perfect. Cool. So I go, I go to the Not first. A lot of meetups in July. 
Well, I mean, Orlando's a big, it's like here, right? A big, okay. a big investor community. So, um, so I drive down there. I tell my wife, leaving work, going to the, going to this meetup. She's like, okay, great. I'm like, so I drive, I was in uh, Sanford, Florida, where I worked. And this is on Orlando and it was at the old Bumby theater. And it was just this theater that they rented, you know, once a month, whatever to do to do this event. So I drive down there, Steve, and I'm like, dun, 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 going, going to my first RIA meeting. And uh, so I pull in the, I pull in the, the parking lot and there's like, I didn't realize at the time it was the third biggest RIA in the country. So big, right? It's a really big place. So I, I pull in and they're like, this was back when decals and car wraps were, were really big. So there's like, you know, I buy houses, the inspectigator, hard money, soft money, easy money, <laughs> 401k, SDRI, whatever. And I'm driving through and I'm looking for a spot and I'm looking for a spot and I'm looking for a spot and drive out the other side and go home. <laughs> and, and I can count on the times on one hand where I've lied to my wife and she's like, how'd it go? I'm like, <sighs> couldn't find it. <laughs> couldn't find it. Cause I got scared. I got, I just got scared. You were intimidated. I was so intimidated. I'm like, I don't have any reason to be here. I don't belong here. I don't, I shouldn't deserve, even, this. I don't deserve this. I shouldn't even go. I can't even go in the building. I par- paralyzed, could not get out of the car. So, so now I remember the reason I remember that's July is cause I didn't go in August. September is my birthday. And now I'm, pissed just you know you've been just so mad with yourself you're just like gripping the wheel your fingernails are digging into the palms of your hand and i'm like i cannot believe i went all the way down there and i didn't go in so now now i go down like white knuckled right i'm like i'm going i'm going into this thing so i drive down there like i park as fast as i can i go up to the door and i pay my 20 bucks and and that was my my first time going in so but literally how many how many trips it took me two trips. Took, I got it on the second one. Got right? it on the second one. But I did go in and, you know, I walked in and they had like a, you know, like, like, a, like an event, you know, tables with people giving stuff away. And I didn't know what to do. So I got a bag like everybody else and started throwing pens and papers and all that stuff in. And, and I went into this theater and there was a couple hundred people. And I just sat like in the far back left hand corner, took my pimper out. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to take notes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to learn something. Okay. But you took action. I did. It was hard. It was scary. Like I, I, like I remember that feeling very... 20 years ago, as clear as day. So when, because you still had a full-time job. Still a full-time job. When, like, what were the steps, right, to get you from attending this live meetup to doing your first deal? Um, I got, I paid for private coaching, small group coaching Mm -hmm. uh, with this guy, John. I cannot remember his last name. Um, But we literally went to his house once a week, and it was small group coaching, talking to people and um, how to do a subject to deal. Mm-hmm. And he taught us all kinds of cool stuff, like how to, instead of putting money down, how to do a promissory note and just right. all kinds of just wacky, wacky ways to do it. Um, but not only that, I bought a course. There's this great guy named Chris Kirshner, who's not in real estate anymore, but wrote probably the greatest course that I've ever read called mm-hmm. uh, Real Estate Autopilot. That was very foundational for me. So yeah, between those two things, we started doing some marketing and getting some calls and you know, and that was the tone scare. Like every stage is so scary. You know, right. it was, it just, it was just, it was incredibly intimidating to. So tell me about your first deal. <sighs> okay. So, <laughs> so we're, uh, so I have a job, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't, I, like who's going to take calls, right? I'm going to send out, send out these postcards. And at the time, so here's another course that I bought, Marco Rubel's foreclosure riches or something. And he had this course where you would upload your, your list of people and, and it would mail merge it very high tech, right? Obviously my wife's the brains of the operation. She did that. <laughs> and uh, it would print out these letters and, and you would put them in the envelope. It would actually barcode them. So you could, if it came back, you could scan it and skip trace. I'm very, very, very revolutionary at the time. Yeah. So I had, I had his course. 
I like I bought a lot of courses, man. And then I also subscribed to Foreclosures Daily mm-hmm. out of out of Florida. So what was happening, and this is a different time, right? This is now we're, you know, maybe five, six, seven, like there's a lot of foreclosures. Everybody's like talking about foreclosures and we're gonna buy them sub two and all of that. Nobody knew what was coming, but that's where we were at the time. So subscribing to Foreclosures Daily every night at 10 o'clock for whatever counties you subscribe to, your list is now online. They literally had somebody who went to the courthouse every single day in all oh, the yeah. counties and they would upload this information. My wife would go in there at 10 p.m., download the list, put it in a Marco Rebell's Profit Finder, spit out the letters. She would lick them, stamp them. But like she did that part and I would drop them at the post office on, mm-hmm. on the way, way to work. So good and bad. We were very quick. We were very proactive. The bad news is sometimes our letters got there before the list pendants, and that created some interesting calls. But <laughs> it is. But uh, well, what all, were some interesting calls? My house isn't in foreclosure. I don't know why you're sending me this. I'm like, oh, so sorry. That's probably our mistake. Have you ever thought about selling? <laughs> Have you thought about selling? So, um, um, you know, another thing that they, they talked about at the Rio was a call center that mm-hmm. would take your calls because. That's what RIAs do, right? We're here to, they're here to provide solutions and, and answers. And at the time, that was the only place you got education. We did not have real estate disruptors to, you know, right. to do this, right? None of this existed. So they talked about this company called Voice Connect out of Atlanta. And similar to Pat Live, mm-hmm. they'll answer, they'll do whatever script you want. Awesome. So I'm running all of, my, all of my calls to them. That's the phone number. They pick it up and they're like, hey, thank you for calling Bay State Investments. That was our company at the time. Do you have a house that you'd like to sell? And they would ask a bunch of questions. So literally, I remember coming home. And I had three leads that day, three leads. So it's seven o'clock at night and I'm sitting there and I'm looking out the glass at the pool. And I, I remember this, a wood grain table and I printed off three leads and I sat there, Steve, and I'm like, I start comping and I'm like, Oh, I don't know. This one's not going to be good. This one, this one's probably never going to sell to me. Right. You know what's happening, right? Yeah. Like this defense mechanism in my brain, I'm well, like, you're, you're talking yourself, I'm talking out of myself right out of it. And then, you know, this, this one, that's stupid. That's a bad area. Like I'm doing all of these things. And then in the back of my mind, I remember this conversation uh, when I worked in Vero Beach, Florida as an assistant manager way back in the day, I, I shared an office with a corporate recruiter. This guy's name was Leo. And he told me this story about uh, when he was a young buck, like he was like 70, 60 at the time. So poor guy's probably not alive now, but he's like, my boss told me pick up that phone and with laden with profanity and never put that phone down. If you ever saw me put that phone down, he was going to duct tape it to the side of my head. He's like, all I want to see you doing is dialing. Right. So that's that like, this one of those things that's stuck in my head. And I'm like, Oh, I got to pick up. I just got to pick up the phone and just do this. Right. I just got to do this. And no matter what course you take or who you talk to, they're like, you got to work through that initial fear, right? Mm-hmm. You have to, you have to, you know, do that. So like, I just would just pick up the phone and start calling, calling, calling. Uh, so my first, my first, uh, the first sub two deal that I bought that wasn't a house that we bought to fix up and live in and all of that, uh, nine three zero Tappan Circle in Orange City, Orange City, Orange City, Florida. Right. So I go to this house and this uh, guy and his wife had inherited the house from uh, his dad who had passed away. Cool. Two mortgages on the house. So I'm using Chris Kirshner's autopilot. He's got this this form, this amazing form, and it. Uh, the idea is you go walk, go to the house, you walk around. Hey, tell me what's going on. Okay, let's do this. Let's 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 see what we can purchase your house for. So it starts at the top, ARV, right? And then it's got all these lines <laughs> and <laughs> rocket science at the time, man. So it's like, hey, so let's talk about you know this is this is what we think the house is worth. Um, let's talk about the repairs, right? So uh, and then at the bottom is what do you owe, and then it says what's your equity. 
right? Because we're trying to shrink down to what the equity is, and then we're going to negotiate off of that. So here's, here's the out-of-body experience. I'm nervous as the day is long. I remember exactly where I was standing in the kitchen. We're all on the counter, and I've got this, this paper. Now, before I went there, uh, this software that we had, we pre-printed out with what it thought was acceptable and what you should make the offer. So mm-hmm. I go there, and I've got all this in my head, but we've got a blank line. I'm like, okay, so what do you think for, you know, do we need a new roof? No, we don't need a roof. Okay, but we need to paint, right? So what do you think it would cost to paint? And every number that I had in my head, he was shooting higher. Like, I know what he's doing, and he's just trying to be really helpful. But if my number was going to be five, and he's telling me eight, well, he's reducing his equity, you're right, all the way down the line. And then he's, he's an electrician, I remember that. And there was this old shed out there. And I said, so what about the shed? He's like, oh, man, you're definitely going to need to run power to that shed. I'm like, okay, like, what do you think that'll cost? probably another 1500. I'm like, okay. Like I couldn't even spit the words out. So like, I'm like, it's every, every part of me is I'm trying not to shake and they're giving me this number. So whatever it was that we had the two more or the, the ARV, all the repairs, then the mortgage balance. And it was maybe 20,000. I don't know, whatever, whatever the number was. And I said, okay, but now he's messed up all. Like I was ready to make an offer right then, but now I'm all caboggled out. Right? Like, I don't even know. I'm nervous. Like, here's what I'm going to do. Uh, I think his name was Joe. I said, Joe, let me do this. Let me go out. Let me go out and call my partner. And uh, I don't, I'm not sure we can make this work, but let me go out and, and call my partner and see what, what we can do. Is that cool? Do you have just a minute? Okay. So I go out to the car, close the door, turn it on. I call my wife. She's like, how's it going? I'm like, I don't know. Really? <laughs> different. It's not what I expected. It's not what they told me on the, on the CD at all. She's like, what do you mean? Like he gave me higher numbers. I don't know what to do. She's like, well, just fix it dummy. I'm like, okay. So I'm like, I'm like, okay. So I, I think I've got it figured out. So I hop out of the car and I walk back into the driveway and here's the way that the way that they made the offers. I said, okay, so here's your equity, right? So we'll pay you the whole thing was sub two, right? So we're, we'll, uh, you know, I'll pay you this much for the house in cash, right? Well, that doesn't cover that doesn't cover the mortgage. Okay, so so we know that's how. Second offer might be a little bit of money down, a couple thousand dollars. Um, I'll take over your mortgage and I'll give you this much money at the end and a balloon. And the third was like zero down, take over your mortgage and I'll give you more money as a balloon. So um, they look at it and they're like, okay, um, yeah, we'll, we'll do this one. I'm like, oh, you know what, man? That's the number everybody picks. I didn't even know what I was doing, right? But I'm anchoring them to the, like, I didn't even know. But I'm like, oh, man, you know what? Number two, that's what everybody picks. It's really crazy. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, okay. Um, do you, have the, you have a contract we can sign? I'm like, yes. Yes, I do. Hold on. Let me go back to the car. And back in those days, we had to carry around, like, these briefcases with every possible contract that you could mm-hmm. ever have, right? Because no iPads. So we did it. We signed the contract. I did no deposit. Or I did a deposit, but as a promissory note. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what my guy taught me to do. They didn't care. Like it was the craziest thing ever. Yeah. Like it, the whole part of it felt like an out of body experience. And like, I just left there like worked. It, it, the thing worked. They the said, do works. the thing. And the thing worked. It was crazy. Oh, that so, was my first one. That was your first one. Yeah. Now my question for you, yeah. cause you were saying, you know, when you bought your REO from Wells Fargo, yeah. people had no idea what was happening. No. And then you guys started buying all these properties sub too. Yeah. And then this little recession came along. This little thing. This little thing, yeah. How did that impact your it, business? It, it, it financially devastated us, right? Okay, so, so where were you guys at before the recession? We were doing good. You know, we were, we were flipping like two a year, right? Mm-hmm. Plus the one we were living in. So, 
you know, I had a great job. I was making probably back then 70,000. My wife had a good job, maybe 50, 60,000. Like we were doing good. Mm -hmm. And then we would pop these rehabs for 20, 30,000. So we're, we're doing good. But you know what the problem with that is? You know how much of that you're saving? Like okay. zero, like zero. And you're also paying, you know, not saving for taxes. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we were living great, but we had nothing ongoing, nothing residual, nothing, like nothing. Like, so you know, the money comes in and it's very easy to spend $30,000. Like for those of you that think it's a lot, it's, I get blow through 30,000 in the next two days, right? right? You know, a little bit of coaching, you know, some, some PPC, like it's very easy to burn through it. So, um, so what happened? So we're on this train and, you know, we're doing all of these rehabs and we did a really big one and it didn't sell like when it was hot, like it was kind of hot, like it was two years ago. Like your dog could put a sign in front of the house. Like you were nothing special, right? Like yeah. everything was selling, selling for a different reason. Now what, what's selling now is because it's a demand issue. Mm -hmm. Back then it was just money was free and literally like the movie strippers were going out and putting $500 <laughs> down on a house to make 20, right? It yeah. was ridiculous. Everybody was doing it. And uh, so when, it, when the stop happened, um, I bought this last house, 742 Trafalgar Street in Deltona, Florida. And so I bought this house. It was a referral. It was a probate deal. Guy had just passed away. I actually bought it from, he left his house to the VFW and I bought it from them. So um, Deltona, Florida, every house is the same. Kind of like here, like an mm -hmm. older part of Phoenix, right? They're all ranched. They look really similar. So I look at my house. I got it for 97000 My comps, one block over, two blocks down, 217 I bought it in July of 08. Good comp, like good comp. So... Um, and at this point, we'd, we'd already kind of figured we were going to get out or start investing someplace else. We didn't know if we were going to move. So um, so we contract this house. And back then, I was younger and skinnier and did all the rehabbing myself, right? Scraping popcorn, laying tile. I actually built the cabinets or, you know, out of a box uh, ready to assemble. I did make the countertops with like a, a router and laminate. Like I did it all. So I finished this house in uh, like early November early November or late October, call my realtor and she's a different realtor. She's like, Hey man, um, you know, let's not put this on the market till January because you know, it's kind of slow the holidays. We don't want to build up a bunch of days on market and you know, just have this thing sitting there. Okay, cool. Well, in this amount of time, my wife has gotten laid off. She was a purchasing manager for, um, a custom home builder. Okay. Like that ain't great. Mm -hmm. Not good, but we're going to sell this house and we're going to, at this point, we, I think we decided we were moving to Chattanooga. Some other stuff had happened. So January comes around, call the realtor. Shana was her name. Shana comes over and she says, dude, you did a great job. I know. Like, <laughs> it looks really good. I'm like, yeah, I know. That's what I do. That's my thing. I'm like, cool. What can we get for it? He goes, well, and she starts opening the book, right? The book with the, you know, this is before this, right? Mm -hmm. It's like, well, this one over here just sold for 97 and this one just sold for 110 and this one and this one and this one and this one. I'm like, oh, well, that sucks. But my house is better mm -hmm. <laughs> because of course. Cause I'm, I'm a smart new investor, right? right still consider myself new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still consider myself new. She goes, um, I think we can really get like 145. One block over two blocks, 217, six months ago. Mm -hmm. Like, Yeah. Well, now there's all these foreclosures. What we didn't realize is all of these people that we've been marketing to for the last three years. Guess what happened? The banks, the banks started flooding the market. Mm -hmm. Bad timing. Like this right. is the definition of bad timing. Mm -hmm. I'm like, but my house is better. Like I'm remodeled. That 
Like those people moved out and there's still like dirty clothes in the corner. She's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'm like, but my house is better. Don't you understand? She's like, what do you want to do, man? I'm like, 155. Mm -hmm. Dude, I thought I was being the most magnanimous SOB that's ever walked the earth. Like I'm thinking I'm giving somebody just a $50,000 steal. She's like, okay. Cause she's a listing agent. What does she care? Sign in the yard. She's like, I'm out. So it's January, no calls, like not even a call. And I'm, I feel like I'm a good like client. I don't burn you up every day. Maybe once every two weeks we're talking, but like, I know my job is running out. Like I was a salesperson for 84 lumber, you know, the recession hit, people stopped building. Like my, mm -hmm. my days were coming. So at the end of the first month, I'm like, Hey, what should we do? She's like, I don't know, man, what do you want to do? Do you want to sell it? I'm like, yeah. She's like, you're gonna have to drop the price. I'm like, 147.5. She's like, Okay. I'm like, but you said 145. She's like, well, that was last month. I'm like, what is it this month? She's like, you know, 130 something. I'm like, 147.5. Again, like still, they haven't broken me yet, right? Like right. optimism still reigns supreme. Mm -hmm. So another month, I get, there's a couple calls at least, but no showings. So at the end of that month, I'm like, all right, like I gotta, like I gotta, like I gotta move. Like I gotta go. Like now we've bought a, two houses sub two in Chattanooga. Like we're, we're, we know we're moving. And uh, he's like, you got to drop it again. I'm like, to what? He's like, I don't, maybe like one, 119. 217. Like, what are we talking about here? And here's the analogy I want to give you. Like, to, to picture what happens at a real falling market, which drove me crazy this last year when people are like, we're in a recession. We are not in a recession. Let me just tell you, it's a fat kid chasing a tennis ball down the hill, right? That price is dropping so fast. You can't catch it. The fat kid is like, cha, 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 cha. <sighs> like sooner or later, you're the ball rolling next to the ball, right? Like, mm -hmm. like you can't catch it in a falling market. It's like trying to catch knives. Mm -hmm. you, you can't get in front of, you have to take such a drastic price cut to get in front of it, mm -hmm. to get to where you're going to be appealing. And this is what I did. I chased, 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 chased. So finally, now I'm like, all right, Davey boy, there's got to be an answer here. Well, you know how to sell houses. You've been to a million real estate things. You've got a course on how to sell your house in seven days, right? Which was a course. So I, what did I do? Went back to what I do. I went out and got bandit signs. And I went and put signs all over town. Said, Deltona, three bedroom, two bath. Owner will finance with $5,000 down. Because time's up. Like, I'm, like my job is over. Like, I, I've got to move. Or like, it had to happen. So I did end up finding um, a lease option buyer who gave us $5,000. And we literally packed up our stuff. That was the only five. By this point, that was all, only five grand that we had left. Mm-hmm. That was it. Really? Yeah. So you've all seen those memes of burning the boats. Like we're going to burn the boats and take the shore. So there's no retreat. That sounds awesome. And people, when I tell this story, they're like, Oh, it's so empowering. It's so awesome. No, it was dumb. It was dumb. I moved to a city where I didn't know anybody to do real estate with a wife, two boys and three fat dogs mm -hmm. and knew nobody with $5,000. It was the most irresponsible thing ever. Yeah. Like surely I could have just kept the house and found another job. Mm -hmm. But then we were in Chattanooga and that's, you know, things change up there. So then when did you start your whole, you know, acquiring properties? Yeah. Was that like when you went to Chattanooga? Yeah. Yeah. Cause we, I mean, basically everything, you know, we had just flipped some houses mm -hmm. in, in, uh, in Orlando. And interestingly, you know, out of all those courses and boot camps I took, I took a week long course with, uh, uh, this guy's name is Jason Rodriguez. He's out of New Jersey now, but so it was a whole week-long course on how to wholesale. I'm like, 
I can do this, right? Mm-hmm. So, so they teach bandit signs, right? So I, I, and I bought bandit signs and I bought the postcards, different color postcards for different, whatever. So I go out and I try to, try to do wholesaling and like, I was supposed to put a sign at every intersection, but because I'm so smart, you know, I put eight at every two, like, like every <laughs> po- <laughs> up and down 1792 from, from Deland to like Orlando. And like my wife and I were out all night long and, uh, putting out these dopey signs and like I get home, get to sleep like nine o'clock in the morning. I, this is Sergeant Joe, whatever, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I was trying to buy some houses. Come get these signs. So the, the funny story was, oh. I, yeah, oh, I had to go pick them up <laughs> twice in my life. I've had to do that. It's the most humiliating thing ever, but I tried wholesaling in, in Orlando and it didn't work. It didn't work. Right. Which is interesting now for a guy who's wholesaled 1600 houses. Right. But yeah. Like I was that guy who tried it and, and it just didn't work. I didn't work, right? Mm-hmm. I was making money. I didn't need it to work was, was really what the truth was. Yeah. So, so we moved to Chattanooga and, uh, you know, I had this fantasy like, oh, because now I've read Rich Dad and I've been, I've been around real estate. Like I'm going to go there and buy apartment units and, comp, you know, and duplexes and multifamilies. And like I want to level up like every investor, right? Mm-hmm. I want to go from the single family to the, you know. So go to Chattanooga and uh, – like, again, let's get into the Wayback Machine. What's going on in June of 2009? Banks are taking properties back. Mm-hmm. They are not, have zero interest in lending unless you have an 850 credit score. Yeah. Like, they have no money to lend, right? Because debt income or, uh, you know, their lendability. So, like, that's out. I said, well, let's wholesale. Like, we'll, we're going to figure this out. And um, got extremely focused. Like, focused like, like you've never seen focused. Mm-hmm. Um, real estate was the first thing I thought about. In the morning, it was, I went out driving for dollars all day. I came back and brought my wife a list. You know, uh, my brother actually moved up there with me. So the three of us were doing this together. It was the last thing I thought about. Like we were very focused and got our first deal within a couple of weeks. Okay. Um, so we got really good at, at lead gen, right? We did old school, door knocking, bandit signs, yellow letters, Chris Chico's postcard, which I told Chris Chico, I've never figured out how to make that stupid postcard template that he has work. But <laughs> uh, we figured something out. Um, but yeah, so we, we, we were broke. Like we had $5,000. Like we were, we weren't even good enough to be considered broke. We had, we were half a broke, but we had to figure out a way to do it. Like we had to be resourceful and kind of bootstrap our way into doing it. So like mm-hmm. we would buy blank bandit signs, we'd drive all the way to Birmingham to buy them from a supplier, come back and I would hand write them all week. And we'd go out every Friday night and put out a hundred bandit signs every single Friday night. Yeah. And then during the day we we're driving for dollars and we were doing whatever we could to you were forcing it. We, we, we that was brute force. Yeah. Like you can do that. Like if somebody, you know, held a gun to your head and or I'm going to get your dog today. If you don't go find a deal today, I will leave here. I will go find a deal and I will be back by five o'clock. We will have right. a deal. Right. You can, you can go, you can go do it. You can go force it. Yeah. So, but that was the beginning of you starting to build your portfolio. So what happened is we're generating a lot of leads. We're throwing out a huge net. We're bringing it in. And again, not every seller can take a cash offer, right? Mm-hmm. So here's one of the things we learned, which kind of leads directly into, into the, the buying properties. So what was the thing that we were marketing in, in Florida? Well, I came up and, and, you know, the lists I was pulling, I was trying to do the same thing pre-foreclosure. Well, remember 217, right? The real price I would have had to wholesale that, buy it at was 70 mm-hmm. to sell it for 90, right? Well, now we're in the middle of the recession trying to wholesale like a normal, a normal property is a, is a struggle because they owe more than you can wholesale it for. Right. So that's beating your head against the wall. So I remembered something I said, you know, again, cause I'm always thinking like, there's always a way, 
right? There's always a way to, to fix, fix whatever your problem is. I said, so I can't, I got to be careful who I'm marketing to. Who do I want to market to? I said, you know what? I remember somebody at a, at a RIA meeting talking about this. And I'll ask you, do you know what, you may, you probably know. Do you know what the percentage of free and clear houses are in the United States? Like 30%. Anywhere between 38 and 42. Yeah. Pretty high. Most people don't, don't guess that. So I thought, self. I was a realtor for some time as well. There you go. I said, so self, if we're going to pull a list and market to anybody, why don't we at least market to a free and clear person? Someone because, with equity. Well, because they can take, it wasn't even equity. It's they can take whatever offer I can give. They can, not saying they want it. But I can at least take the – and it's not like, oh, I can't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because even back then, like nobody even wanted to sub to something that was 30000 in the hole. God, if we'd known, we would have bought them all, right? Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you don't know what you know. So I said to myself, okay, so we're going to start We're going to start marketing to free and clear properties. So here's where, here's where everything changed for me. So we start going out on all of these, these appointments, right, going to talk to the seller and uh, – I say, okay, well, you know, here, here's what I can pay you. Here's what your house qualifies for a cash offer. Okay. Well, can't take that. Okay. Well, because, you know, when the rapport building and the information gathering, we're, we're getting enough information, and I know that you own the house free and clear, I'd be like, well, Steve, like that's, you know, that's really the best that I can do. I'm like, but you, you said you really need to sell because you're moving to Florida. Yeah, I, I am. I'm like, well... Let me ask you a question. You need all the money at once. No. Well, man, I really prefer to buy these. These I, like, listen, I'd rather buy cash and be done with it, right? But I might have a way that we can make this work. If you don't need all the money at once, let me do this. Let me run back to my office. Let me work up a couple couple different ways that we can do this. Can I give you a call, or if you you can follow me to the office and we can we can try to figure this out? But I know, I know you said you really want to move, and you know your your cat has psoriasis and you need to get to Florida. I think we might be able to work something out. Um, you got give give me like an hour. Let me let me work some stuff up, and I'll, I'll give you a call, or I can come back over. How's that? How's that sound? Cool, great. So so what happened was. <sighs> On any out of 10, 10 calls, what's a good number? Getting one contract out of ten, right? Ten good leads. Yeah, right. That's good. Well, what do you do with the other nine? You have to come up with a different. Strategy. <laughs> you need a different strategy, right? Well, it, let's uh, let's assume I'm I'm calling ten people who own free and clear. You know, they they may not for whatever reason they may not want my cash offer, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's pride, vanity, whatever, right? There's a lot of reasons why people do or don't take offers. But now I have something where I can pitch a second, like now I get a second pitch. Mm, yeah, second bite of the apple. Second bite, perfect, right? So, and, and the way I do it, like it's the running game in football. I want to slow down, right? Because mm-hmm. when I teach it to people, the way I explain it is, this is all very easy for us. Like we can all talk in like very high ball, like, oh, we're going to do it right. We're going to wrap, wrap around and da, 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 we're going to do all these different crazy things. But to your seller, this is the first time they've ever thought about it. Right. Yeah. They typically they only sell two or three houses in their lifetime. So we, you got to grind it out. So when I say it, like I need to be able to see the thought bubbles connecting above your head when I'm like, <laughs> and that's got to be in super simple terms. Right. Like, and that's like, that's like the defense mechanism. Cause also I get very nervous. So I'm always like, let me think because it's giving me a chance to calm down too. Right. Um, 
need all the money at once. So here's what would happen. Here's how we started building the portfolio. So we're talking to these people and sometimes it's literally a woman who has a rental and she's leaving town, like, or like whatever the situation was. And, and they're two big packages that, that made up the bulk of our portfolio. But, uh, I would go back and I would bring them, I would make them an offer and we did buy some sub twos, right? But the bulk of them were straight owner finance. And, uh, I would come back and just like with my guy, Joe, three offers. But I took that understanding that, that knowledge that I got out of that course. And I twisted it a little bit and adjusted it for what I was doing. I took what was useful. And mm-hmm. so, so now I'm making them three offers and I'm going to tell you exactly how to do this. So, so you get some value and you can go do this on your own because you can implement this into your wholesale company, anybody's wholesale company tomorrow. So um, the first offer is exactly what they're asking. Um, hundred percent financed. So you want 70, 170, whatever, pick your number. I'm going to give it all to you. Um, you know, zero, uh, you know, zero down 5% interest for 20 years, right? However you want to work out the math. Middle offer, or the, let's say the bottom offer is going to be my wholesale cash offer because that's still my offer. And in the middle, something in between 2000 5000 10000 I don't like to put a lot of money down. I like to be yeah. in deal because I was broke, right? Like, let's not forget, like, I'll tell you a story about my first two that I bought. I had to borrow the, the $4,000 for two houses, 2000 and 2000 um, 2500 1000 I'm going to give you a little, a little bit of money down, and maybe instead of 170 you know, I'm going to give you one. 65, 155, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm going to drop my price. Because, you know, it's a give to get. I'm going to give you a little bit of money, but my price is going to come down. Maybe my interest rate goes down a percentage. Um, so on the top one, it's, hey, you want, I'll give you 170, whatever the numbers work out to be. Hey, 170,000, uh, seller will finance the full purchase price to the buyer at 5% interest over 20 years for an approximate payment of, you know, $1,200 for a total payout, 235,000 in bold. Because mm-hmm. that's what I want them to see. Second one will be, you know, let's just say $5,000 down, seller will finance. Let's say we're going to do 155 purchase price. Seller will finance 150000 to the buyer at 4% interest over 15 years for for an approximate payment, a total payment, again, bold, or my third offer, which is cash. So when I'm presenting it, all right, Steve, so I come up with a couple different ways to do this. I think you're going to like it. I know you were looking for 170 but I found a way to get you 240 Would I don't know if you're going to be interested in that. So here's what that one is. Then I've got one where we're going to give you a little bit of money up front because you may need some moving money. Or, of course, you know, I've got my cash off, which we can close and, and we can be done with this, whichever, mm-hmm. whichever one of those work for you. And which one do you think they pick? Middle one. Doesn't matter. I don't care because I wrote them all. <laughs> right. But you know what I do say every time? This is exactly That's what everybody people. picks. Yeah. Because I, I want them to, to feel good. I don't want them to have, them to have buyer's remorse or seller's remorse the minute they leave. Right. right. I want to anchor them again to, hey, this is a good idea. And what you did was the right thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's how we started buying a lot of properties, a lot of properties. And that was predominantly marketing to people free and clear. Free and clear. Plus what we would get on bandit signs. Like, you know, before you go out on an appointment, you know, you know what the situation is. Yeah. Right. So, not, I mean, the dream world is every person we talked to was free and clear. Mm-hmm. But we did market to every free and clear buyer or owner in Chattanooga. And Here's what happens in sales. I'm sure, you talk about this in your course. You got to get up to the plate every day and take swings. Yeah. Every single day. So, one day, I get this call. I got two calls like this in my career, two of them. Um, I got this call, and this guy says, Hey, got your postcard. I want to sell. I've got 27 doors I want to sell. What's your initial thought? Like, your brain goes in that. I can't do it. 
What am I doing? This is I don't have, I don't I don't know. the band. I, yeah. right? I can't do this. I'm like, all right. Um, his name was Tommy. All right, Tommy. Um, what are you asking? 1.1 million. What, why am I on this call? Right. Yeah. I'm like, all right, man, can you, do, do, uh, Tommy, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm going to need like all the rents. I'm going to need a lot of information. Can you email it to me? Yep. I have it on a spreadsheet. I'll email it right now. Okay, cool, man. Let me take a look at it and, uh, and we'll go from there. But man, I, I, you're looking for a 1.1 cash. That'd be great. I'm like, I gotta be honest with you. I, you know, from the way you're describing it, it doesn't sound like I've got, you know, that, that I could pay 1.1 million. You know, would you be open to financing? Yes, absolutely. Oh, okay, well, send them over. Let me take a look. Well, oh, now Davy Boy's attention has changed, right? right? So I still don't know what, though, right? Like, I have no idea, like, what he's talking about. So he sends me the, this list. It is 27 doors. You know, I don't know how many properties, duplexes, an eight unit, a six unit, some vacant land. So I get in my car and I run around and over two days, I drive by all these properties. I'm oh. like, they're not great, but they're cash flowing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I called him. I said, Hey, you want to come by the office, bring your wife. And, uh, sitting there, we're talking to him and he's an old guy. I'm like, so tell me, man, yeah, they're making money. Like they're rented. What, why are you selling it? Like, why would you, why, why would you want to sell them? Says, well, um, I, uh, he said, uh, I, I, I survived about with cancer, brain cancer. He's like, and I've been diagnosed a second time. He said, and he's, he's like, I, you know, they, they've given me less than six months. You know, my wife has never managed the properties and you know, I need to sell them to somebody reliable that I know will make a payment to her every single month. Okay. Okay, man, let's do this. Is there a time where we can take a day or two and like go visit these properties? And here's the deal that we struck. We gave him 100% of what he was asking for at 4% interest on a 17 year term, zero money down. And we actually got $10,000 at closing. So that's the grand slam deal, mm -hmm. right? I remember, I do remember this. I'm in my old beat up work truck. I had a Ford Ranger, my dad's Ford Ranger. And I'm driving to the title company in painted jeans, like a t-shirt. And I'm like, I should be dressed better to go buy a million dollars worth of houses, right? Yeah. Like, I feel like I should be dressed better. Um, but again, this goes back to where we started. What was, my, what was my seller's problem? What was their issue? What was the pain that I could solve? Well, I, I had that. Like, I had that in the bat belt that I, you know, we could, you know, we could, we could do solve it forever. It. Yeah, we, we could solve that problem. Yeah. Um, so we still have those properties today. They have easily quadrupled in value, mm -hmm. easily. Um, they're right by the university. I've got, they've, they've done great, great for us. Yeah. So, so that was, that's when we had a couple other deals like that. So that's one of them. That was one. You want the other one? The other one. Very similar. This one was actually before. Um, I'm at this house, the very first house that we bought, sub two, and I'm, it had like this little, I remember there was a driveway and it had like this rock wall. I remember I'm out there taking a call and I'm walking back and forth on the rock wall, taking, taking this call. And, uh, this guy's name was Winston mm -hmm. and he calls me and he's like, Hey, um, I've got a bunch of properties I need to sell. Some of them I took back from somebody that I own or financed and you're a wholesaler, right? And I'm like, yep. He's like, can you help me sell them? I'm like he reached uh, out to you as a wholesaler. He knew I was a wholesaler. He knew like this guy, he had had over a hundred properties at one point, okay. very savvy guy. 
a great like old school Southern overalls. He worked for DuPont. He was an engineer, but he he bootstrapped his way up and had a, had over a hundred properties at one point. And he had owner financed some to somebody, this shyster in town who screwed him and he had to foreclose on. He had a lot of issues, mm-hmm. um, but he had a bunch of vacant properties. And he said, hey, I need to sell these. I'm just looking to cash out. Okay. So I can do that. Are you Are you interested in financing any of them to me? Yeah, maybe. Let's deal with these first couple first. I said, okay, well, I'm going to sell them to somebody else, right? Like, I'll, I mean, I'll just bring a buyer. So we did that very quickly. Um, we sold them and we did fine. He did, he got everything that he, I mean, I literally just, what do you want? I will, I'm the worst, the worst negotiator ever, right? Just, we call that the RJ, RJ Bates. Right? Yeah, like, well, he was, he was straight with me. I was straight with him. Like, we yeah. actually became great friends. So I bought the first package of properties from him, a couple of duplexes, Back, I think six houses, six six structure or buildings, whatever, the first time. And he actually, I did the same thing. I made him the offer and um, with financing. And he told, he actually told me, no, this one you're paying too much. You need to come down 10000 This one over here needs to go up five. This one's in my daughter's name. Can you put it up twenty to balance it out? Mm-hmm. So very, very, very straight shooter. We bought a package from him and then we bought another package and then we helped him with some foreclosures. And his story, cancer survivor. Same, eerily the same story. Yeah. His wife is the daintiest Southern Belle woman that you've ever met, Miss Dorothy. And uh, we love her. And his his daughter actually had MS and she was recently divorced. So neither one of them were going to manage any of these properties. Mm-hmm. Like they they had no ability to to do that. And me and Winston over a couple months became friends. He was at the office quite a bit. Really cool guy. Had a lot of experience, very knowledgeable. Just like I remember one time he took us to one of his properties and he's like, my brother and I were changing a fluid master. It's the dumbest story, but he's like, boy, what are you doing? You know, you could just hit this button and pull this part out and put that part in and boom, and you're done. You don't need to be taking the whole thing apart and doing all that kind of stuff. Like just, just a good guy. And we learned so much from him. And it's always fascinating. Like I would encourage people like talk to old time investors. They got so much knowledge that, you know, they know so much and just because they don't know the fanciest PPC nonsense out there. They're so smart and, and you can learn so much from them. But, uh, but anyways, so we bought, I don't know, like 15 or 16 duplexes and single families and things from yeah. him too. And, and that's, you know, probably 40% of our whole portfolio was those two people. So it sounds like a good, um, the takeaways here was really, you weren't necessarily going after a portfolio. It was just in the process of marketing, that's just answering doing the phone. deals, answering the phone, solving sellers problems. It's how you're able to do that. Yeah. And you know, that yes, both of them, we, we still talk to them. Like the the one the girl who had MS, she still kept a couple properties, and every so often she'll be like, "Hey, can you?" She's so sweet. Can you? You know, I need to write a letter to throw these tenants out. Can you help me? Like we still like do what we can to help them, and yeah. they're good family friends. Um, and then somewhere along the way, um, people were putting me on to your dispositions course. Yeah, yeah. Right. So uh, we have a dispositions course. It was really more focused on the sales component. Yeah. Than it is actual disposition process. Right. But what? Talk to me about what you what someone would learn inside your dispositions course. Yeah. So again, you know, it's weird. All the things in my life, I never had any intention to to do the thing that that mm-hmm. you, you end up doing and being kind of successful at. So um, for a long time, I did have some partners, and my side of the business was the disposition side. Mm-hmm. My partners handle marketing and, and acquisition, so I was the the dispo all the way through to the end of transactions. Um, and I feel like I'm a little bit of a problem solver and pretty good at figuring stuff out. So I just, I got pretty good at, at doing dispositions and. Well, I would also add to that. You seem to be really good at creating relationships. 
Thank you. Thank you. Um, where this came about was being in the cartel with Investor Lift, mm-hmm. right? Um, I just kind of became that person that was like, Robert would always have me on office hours and we're talking about dispositions. And that became, hey, will you fly out here and teach our team how you do it? Okay. I don't really love that, but okay. So I, I started, I, I did this little short course, you know, for investors and we did it over Zoom. And then what happened was, and that was like for owners of wholesale companies. I'm going to teach you some stuff about Dispo. And then that became, well, can we come to your office and learn? Mm-hmm. But you, obviously you get that, right? Yeah. I'm like, it's not that exciting. It's just an office, <laughs> but sure. And people paid like $4,000. We held this event called Dispo Exposed. It was Disposition Expo, Dispo Secrets Exposed, like kind of a little play on words. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, so we had, a, we had a room full of people for that. And here's what I discovered. People didn't want me, like you didn't want me to teach you. You just wanted me to teach your people, mm-hmm. right? And they would ask me that, like, hey, when you're training your Dispo people, can you just record it? I'm like, it's me standing in front of a whiteboard. Is, you know. So, so here's what I did. I, I brought my video guy up, and we spent a, a couple weeks laying this out, like the whole process. And we recorded... I, I stepped back and I said, okay, you, the wholesale owner, you're going to basically hire somebody in off the street. Maybe they sold cars. Maybe they sold Herbalife. Like, I don't know, but they probably don't know anything about real estate. Right. So let's start the course at the most fundamental thing. What is wholesaling? Yeah. Right. Like, I don't know if you've watched it, but what is wholesaling? And then like, let's talk about like the timeline of a deal, right? Let's start super broad. And then we're going to stack on top of that and get very, very specific, you know, how to build out ad copy and how to do, you know, all of the different things that we do in Dispo and that we do in our team. So that became Dispo Team Training. Mm -hmm. So that became the course that we sold just a ton of. And yeah, it's helped a lot of companies. Yeah. So uh, at some point, we're going to be talking about your transaction coordination. Oh, yeah. That that company. (laughs) Yeah, that other company. Before we do that, you mentioned that there were some struggles where someone gets left out. Yeah. Right? Someone gets squeezed out when you're working a full-time job. Yeah. And you're launching a business. Yeah. So it seems, you know, it kind of seems like, you, you know, it's, you're able to work through it, but it was a challenging time in your life. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I still have those challenges. So my superpower, if there's anything, I think the biggest one is that I'm incredibly focused, mm-hmm. which is good and bad, <laughs> you know, good and bad. Um, <laughs> you know, I've had people come into my office and I remember this one, maybe a year and a half ago, he came in, he was sitting on the couch. He's like, oh, I want to come in and meet you. We're just local investor. I'm like, okay, cool. And we're talking and just, I'm giving some advice. And he says, man, someday I hope I can, I can be just like you. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You don't want to be like me. Dude, this, this is terrible. This is a squirrel's nest up here. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's great to be successful. Um, I don't think people oftentimes realize the sacrifice that it takes. Right. You know, the, you know, when we went back to when we were just starting, like when I say it was the only thing we did, it was the only thing we did. Like, it, you know, my kids were with me. Thank God it was the summer. They were, they thought it was cool to jump out of the back of the Jeep and run up and put a post-it sign on a vacant house. Right. <laughs> like they thought it was cool to get out and put up a sign. My God, my kids, they're such banana heads at the time. I love them. <laughs> but like they were in for the journey, but like they were along, but like the journey was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it didn't come without sacrifices. And at the time you get, I made the excuse like, Oh, I'm so focused on, I've got to build this thing and I'm going to do like, I'm, I'm building grind. well hustling grind and, and you know, you trick yourself or I trick myself like, Oh, I'm doing it for them, which is cool. If my airplane doesn't make it home, they are good. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, thank God they're good. But uh, you know, like I definitely have regrets over that. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I missed some, some, 
years where obviously I was there, but didn't, I didn't do all of the things that I wish I'd have done as a great dad, you know, things that like my dad was very focused and like, I can think of like three times. And as a kid where we went outside and played ball, right. Mm-hmm. You're so dedicated to your kids. Cause I see you posted all the time. Like I wasn't a, that kind of great dad. I mean, I was a good guy, good provider and all those things, but I don't think I did. <sighs> it's painful to say, but yeah, I don't, I don't think I was the best dad. Right. Well, I, the reason why I'm asking you to talk about this yeah. is because we see all the successes, right? Yeah. We have the best operators come on to this show. Yeah. But we don't spend a lot of time talking about the sacrifice necessary. So like yeah. social media, everything just looks great. Oh, right. We've got the cars, we've got the watches, got watches, the Lambos, right. right? The vacations. Yeah. Right. But that's like the end product. Even then, even that end product might even be real. Right. Uh, <laughs> so that's a whole different conversation, different right? Conversation. But let's just yeah. talk about, you know, to get to where you are today. Yeah. David didn't pay the price. David's family paid the price. 100%. So 100%. let's talk about some of those lessons learned along the way because you said you yeah. got some regrets. Yeah, and I don't know, you know, to, to say I would go back in time and do it different, I don't know that I had the skill set to do it. I don't know I don't know how I would have done it different. Maybe more time blocking. Like, I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know that I was equipped to do it different like I am now, right? Mm-hmm. Now, and... Let me preface this. Like, even though I worked a lot, especially once we got to Chattanooga, I, I, I did try to make sure that the time we spent together was peak quality time, right? So, like, and my wife, again, God bless her for being on this journey with me and dealing with all my craziness. But, you know, we work, 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 but then pff, we're going to Europe for 10 days. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to be as present as I possibly can. Obviously, you're still running a company, and that used to really bother her. We'd be on a cruise, and I'd be taking emails and... My wife understands that. She understands now. The first couple of years, I was, I was like, my wife, my wife would recognize and understand what you're talking about. Yeah. No, dude, this is a real thing. Like I've talked to a lot of high level <laughs> people and, you know, and some of them are better, right? I, I'm, I'm obviously not the, don't, this is why I told that kid, don't strive to be like me. Cause there are so many things I wish I could have done better or read a book or figured out something, a better way to do it. But it was the way that I dealt with it, yeah. you know? And so I want to ask you in two different yeah. parts here. First, what are the regrets? Yeah. And then what you know now, what would you do differently? So start yeah. with the regrets. So the regrets are that, you know, I don't feel like I was the best dad and husband, right? Mm-hmm. Um, like I could have been there more. You know, there, the way my, my brain works, just it works like it works. So I'm always very focused on what, what's, you know, what's happening today and what are the next four things and I need to be thinking about that. And What are the problems that need to be, need, yeah, that need to be solved like, right now? Right. And then what's, what are the future things? And, you know, you're always gaming things out and where that affects me is I'm walking into Walmart with my wife and I'm thinking, I'm thinking, I'm thinking I need to grab her hand. I need to grab hold my wife. You like, you like I have to, and again, I don't, you know, I don't think that any of this is a good trait. Like this is the terrible trait. Oh, okay. I need to do this. Right. Like I have to do this. I have to go home early tonight. I've worked late for three nights. I need to go home. And at least we just sit there. We watch TV. Like we do something together. Um, so that's where I've gotten a little bit better. So the regrets, yeah, that's it. Uh, you know, could I have done more? Of course. Like you can always do more. I don't know what that sacrifice would have done though. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. I don't know what would, what I, you know, you're, you're looking to go back in time and change the cookie recipe. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going to come out? You know, you may get gingerbread instead of peanut butter, right? Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that, that change would be. Um, are so yeah, specific? so that's a regret. Like I have a couple of regrets in life. That's one of them. Are there any specific instances? I, I know I'm trying to remember. There was a person that was on the show. He was talking about he was running a RIA. Mm-hmm. Right. And like Zach Childers. Uh, no, it wasn't Zach. Okay. 
but it was someone on the show, and uh, I remember he was saying like, uh, he was at a meetup. His wife was calling him, and he didn't take the call. Yes, and he found it's, out. Uh, I know what you mean. Right. Yes, but, but he found out like their son needed to go to the ER mm. that night. Yeah, and he wasn't there because he was at the Rhea. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's anything that drastic. Um, I just think you know not being there. And, and uh, you know, obviously we're there. We all live in the same house, but not, you know, be as engaged in the, the day-to-day stuff, mm-hmm. right? And a little bit of that's my personality. I'm very like, tell me what's wrong, we'll fix it. <laughs> you know? Like I tell people, like, if we're, on an, if we're on a plane and the plane's going down, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be the guy that gets up and goes to the front and says, let's figure this out. I'm not the guy that's going to hold your hand and go, oh, it's going to be okay because that's just not, it's not the way my brain works, right? Again, it's a squirrel's nest up there. I don't recommend it for anybody. Um yeah, you know, could I have spent more time with them, you know, not, you know, get impatient, be like, okay, we're just sitting here, not doing anything, watching a movie, like, there's something else I could be doing, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's the kind of, you know, the, the restlessness, the, the restlessness, like, oh, okay, this is awesome, but there's something else I could be doing. There's something I could be doing for the business. Or so how can I be moving that forward? And I think that's where it kind of manifested itself the most. Yeah. You know? And I know, like, I've had the same exact situations, like, my, my friend, my best friend, I was telling him about this, like, after three days in Hawaii, with my my parents, her parents, our kids. Yeah. After three days, like I'm ready to go home. He's like, you need you need to see a therapist. No, 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 one hundred percent. Like, and and I we we joke about that, but the I think the things, and this is my opinion. I'm obviously not a not a psychologist, but I think the things in our brain, the way our brain is wired, the things that make us successful, like you, there is no balance, right? We you've, we've yeah, I know you've had that discussion before, but. We do our best. <laughs> we get better as we get older. But in the beginning, in that hustle and grind period, like the, the thing that allows you to shut off all of the other things and focus on, you know, moving forward and, you know, whatever success is and, and whatever the goal is. Like, unfortunately, it blocks out everything, mm-hmm. you know, all of, you know, the family stuff. And, you know, and I'm incredibly, even sometimes with my team, I'm very guilty of that. I'm like, just get to the to, just tell me the punchline. Like, like I need, to, you know, yeah. you know, they'll, even they'll come in sometimes. They're like, Hey, I'm, blah, blah. I'm like, just, get, just tell me, tell me what part do you, what's your question? What part do you need help with? Right. It's funny though. You're talking about the plane situation. Cause like, uh, I was a chaperone for my daughter. We're going to science camp. Right. Yeah. So we're gone for two, two days. Yeah. Right. And on the way back, like one of the kids got motion sickness. So he's just in the, in, in the, the bathroom on the bus, just yeah. losing it. Right. I also know I have motion sickness. So I know staying back there is actually making it worse. Right. Right. Right, so go to the middle, like maybe the middle of the bus, right? Yeah. So all the all the other parents and the teachers, they're just kind of like doing nothing. I was like, okay, well, this is not. <laughs> and you can all you can hear is yeah. throughout the bus, right? So Poor I take it upon myself, goes to the front. It's like, hey, it's like, do you guys have a garbage man, a garbage can up here? It's like, okay, they do. I go back, like tell, uh, and I, I tell the dad of the kids, like, all right, hey, here's a garbage can. Here's a seat right next to the bus driver. Just stay out of the front. This is gonna suck, but it's gonna suck less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, staying in do the back. something, man. Yeah, and the other thing, you know, you talk about staying so focused. So, um, I went out to Vegas uh, for uh, our anniversary. Myself, my wife, yeah. we, we went out to Vegas. And we actually had dinner with uh, Ryan Pineda and his wife. Love Ryan, right? and and it was a great, great conversation. And I kind of chuckled at one part because Ryan's wife was like, "Ryan is so focused on whatever he's focused on that when they're walking around in public, he just like bumps into people. <laughs> he's just not even aware of what's going yeah. on." Yeah. Cause he's so focused and some people look like, man, that's awesome. 
other people were like, dude, what are you doing? Yeah. Like and that's that trap. That's that, that's that. Dude, for the trait. last two weeks, I wake up like three times a night thinking about work. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, I'm like, oh, I need to write this down. I need to, you know, I, I need to send myself an email, you know, because just, just, it just doesn't shut off. Mm-hmm. It ain't healthy. It's not good. Like, I recognize it's not good. Yeah. But, you know, it's the thing that got us where we are. And then somewhere along the way, you had this brilliant idea. <laughs> yeah. Let's start doing transaction coordinating for other people. Yeah. Of all the things that doesn't sound terribly exciting for me personally. Sorry, no judgment. No, listen. Or a little bit of judgment, but not a ton yeah, of judgment. Yeah. Transaction coordinating is not the thing that I'm like super excited about. No. As nor should you be. <laughs> <laughs> so where did this idea come from? So it's so as we were scaling up our you know, any I think any idea or any business comes, there's a lot of nuggets that kind of shoot into your brain and then at some point they kind of all congregate and you're like, Oh, I have this idea, I should do this. Well, um, so one of them was as we scaled up our nationwide wholesaling company, um, you know, we had a couple of coordinators. Well, first off, the struggle that I had, right, let me just back up a little bit. The struggle that I had when I was first starting, even before we went nationwide or went to multiple cities, was I was literally working, again, 18 hours a day because I have to do everything, right? Because I'm an entrepreneur and I'm the business guy and I don't want to hire VAs and I got to... That's the thing we were joking about before the show about how he needs therapy. Yes. Can't, oh, yes. can't let go. So much. Right. So much therapy. But, uh, um, but I'm at least self-aware. Yeah. So again, I'm working 18 hours a day and I'm juggling everything that possibly can be from marketing to acquisitions to dispo. Like I, you know, I'm doing all of the things. And you know, at some point I brought somebody in to help me with dispositions. And I, I said, well... Maybe I can hire somebody to help me with transactions. I don't really know that I need that. Mm-hmm. But let me try it. Well, so the first one wasn't great, but the second one I got was pretty good. And she's still with me. Um, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm dispoing and I'm selling deals. And, you know, in the normal course of your day, dispositions for me, I'm selling my deal. Okay, now let me call the title company. Let me make copies of the contract. Let me get the EMD. Let me, let me do all of those things. Oh, now I need stuff, you know, all of the things that, that, that go on. Well, now I'm just selling deals. I'm selling a deal. And when I get done with my deal, I'm like, here you go. And I go sell my next deal. And I sell my next deal. And I sell my, and now I'm doing like eight deals a month instead of five. Also and then sounds I'm, like a high income activity. Yeah, you think? And uh, all of a sudden I'm like, I open my checkbook and I'm like, or my, my online banking. I'm like, where did this $28,000 come from? He's like, yeah, dummy, that was that closing from four weeks ago. I'm like, oh my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Mm-hmm. Money just magically appears in my, in my account. And I didn't have to do any of it. Mm-hmm. And now I'm doing more deals and making more money and dealing with way less headaches. Yeah. Like, how is this not the greatest thing? Why did I not do this five years ago? So that as we started scaling up, now we have two coordinators. Now we have three now we're an investor lift and I'm talking about dispositions and now people are calling me like, Hey, I have this really weird deal. I don't know how to close it. Oh, well you should do this because I've been doing it for 20 years or 18 years at the time. So I sort of became that go-to guy for everything. Second half of the business dispositions mm-hmm. and transactions. And it's a great blue ocean to be in it because it's pretty wide open. It's me and Jamil and Tony Mont, right? Like yeah. it, there's th- three of us swimming around in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we started doing that. And then COVID hit and we had, we had gotten this new office and I was, I was going to have part of it be like open workspace, which was the, again, the dumbest idea in the middle of a pandemic. We work fell for the same thing. <sighs> yeah. 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 Um, so, so 
we're kind of going along a little ways, and then all of a sudden everybody's real estate got crazy. They had let a bunch of people go. So now I've got some other cartel people, some investor people, my friends. Hey, you have an extra person. Can you help with some of these transactions? I'm like, like, well, yeah, I guess so. Um, so we were, we would do some transactions and I, I called a couple of them one time, Robert Wensley, a couple of the cartel guys. And I'm like, cartel's at highest level of investor lift. I'm like, and I'm kind of thinking about starting a transaction coordination company. They're like, well, that's stupid. <laughs> that's not going to work. I'm like, you know, I think it will. I think it will. I think, I kind of think it will. <laughs> I've, I've mapped it out on the whiteboard. It's going to work. And I'm like, you know, I, I think I can do it. We're obviously good at it. We do it at a very high level. We're already wholesaling across the country. Like, I think I can start a company where we'll help investors and wholesalers close their deal, no matter what state they're in, all transaction types. That's stupid, never going to work. It's dumb. Okay, well, we're going to try it. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to try it. We're going to try this. So uh, we, uh, we launched it in October of 2021, and uh, it's been really good since then. It's, yeah. uh, it's actually really taken off. And you know, what our clients realize is the exact same thing that I realized. Oh my God, there's only so much time in the day that I can be doing this. Um, you know, I need to outsource this or hire somebody like you can 100% hire somebody and do everything we're doing. Like, Mm -hmm. like I will lay out exactly what we do, but it's a lot of stuff. Right. And again, still now you're interviewing, now you're hiring, now you're training, now you're managing a position that you probably don't know a whole lot about in the first place, or you can just let us help you do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you were one of the first people I called. You do, yes. Right. When, Honestly, again, your number pops up on my phone. I'm like, what have I? What in the universe have I done to be to be getting this call? Oh my goodness, who have I made mad? Yeah, <laughs> but you're one of the first people I called because we let our TC go. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, are you in, are you in the market for a good TC? Because mm-hmm. uh, if if you are, yeah, I got one that we just let go, and um, would have loved to. But right. for us, we do something that's a little bit unique: is all of our coordinators work in office. Like we, right. I. Again, I'm that old guy, right? I believe in kind of people being around the campfire and being all in an office, and I think they're more productive. So. Oh, I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can see here, like, we have one yeah. office. I, yeah. I believe in, in mm-hmm. office culture. I do, too. Uh, and then, But the second part of that conversation was like, hey, um, will you be available to service us <laughs> sure. when we need your services? 100%. Right? So um, obviously we wouldn't have you here if we didn't believe in what you guys have to do. Thank you. Uh, and then very, very recently, you guys cross a hundred million dollars in transactions. Yeah. Within the last, somewhere in the last seven or eight days, we, we, yeah, that was a big milestone. We've been watching that for a long time. Um, we, we track everything. We believe KPIs are very important and yeah, a hundred million dollars in, in closed transactions for our clients. Felt pretty, I was a little emotional. I did a little video. I actually haven't even posted it on Monday, (laughs) Monday with my team. We brought them breakfast and brought them all around and we kind of read off the statistics and like, that's a big number. I'm that's so a, proud of them. That's like, a milestone. They are, you know, they are amazing. And that's what you want, you know, in a, in a good transaction coordinator, right? Like I have the ability to like, and let's like, let's just regroup for a second. First of all, it's amazing to be here, right? Mm-hmm. To, first of all, to be here, you guys who aren't here, sorry, it's really cool. <laughs> but, um, you know, to be able to just leave my, my office and know that I've got an amazing team that's handling everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like they do everything. When I say we, like I'm the only owner, but it's my team. They are freaking awesome. I'd put them up against any team of any that, you know, throughout the country. But, you know, because of them, you know, I'm able to be here and do this. And that's how our clients feel because mm-hmm. somebody is behind the scenes making sure that their deals are getting closed. You know, they're able to go out and do what they want to do, whether it's sit on the beach or do more deals. It was nationwide. 
Nationwide. Transaction Coordination Company. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And we were very intentional about it. We knew from the very beginning when we started, that was what, who we wanted to be, right? Yeah. So, you know, I'm not a part-time realtor that's kind of doing this on the side, doing 10 customers. Like, like and there are a lot of them and they're good. Like, mm. you know, if you're just working, you know, in Fort Lauderdale and there's a local girl, you know, that's that's probably a fine solution. I think we're better and we're going to be cheaper. I know we're better and we're going to be cheaper, but yeah, we went out with the intention of, I want to make sure if I'm the client, right? And I was the first client. Are you old enough to remember the hair club for men commercial? Oh, yeah. Nobody ever remembers this. Like, I feel like we should chop in that from YouTube, right? <laughs> so the hair club for men, this, this guy would get on and he would talk about you know, hair implants, right? Awesome. I'm going to need some too at some point, some point. But he would say, hey, not only am I the owner, but I'm also a client. Yeah. We are these things that just stick in your mind. So when I created the company, like I created it for me. And I'm mm -hmm. a little bit of a dick. Like I want stuff to be the way stuff's supposed to be. Because like I'm you, like I'm very good at putting myself in your position. And what what do you expect? And what high level of service are you going to demand when you mm -hmm. come to me? Right? Like like I want it to be less than I demand because I demand very. We're very customer focused. Mm -hmm. So that's how I look at the company when I built it. Like what would I want? Right? And I've been lied to by every title company for 20 years. Like we're going to create this portal for you, and you're going to be able to log in anytime and see your deal. Well, with us, you can. Right. So, anyways. So it's just designed for me and honestly for my friends who all told me I was crazy mm -hmm. and, uh, and they all love it now. Uh, so who's the avatar? So for us, we are not the, we're not looking for newbies. I'm, we're not in the zero to one crowd. Um, we, we actually have a lot of clients that do start with us and they haven't done their first deal, but our, our avatar is somebody who's doing two to three deals mm -hmm. per month and is looking to scale up. And here's what we tell them. <sighs> At two to three deals, I will show you how this can be free, like free. I will teach you how to, how to pass this charge on to your end buyer by adding an administrative fee to your assignment or your end contract. And if you start doing more deals, you can turn this into a profit center. So not only are you getting rid of your biggest headache, like the biggest, I promise, it is the biggest headache, right? Mm -hmm. The other big headache is trying to figure out PPC. Don't get into that mess. But you can take transactions completely off your plate, never deal with it again, and then start making money. I have guys that are doing consistently 15 deals a month who are making an additional 50000 a year in revenue. Yeah. Pretty cool, right? It's really cool. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, and then you guys take it from dispo to close? Here's, here's the note. We will take it from the moment that you go out and you have your contract with Mrs. Smith, right? So mm -hmm. you, Mrs. Smith, contracted. Hey, Mrs. Smith, congratulations. We're now under contract. Here's the next step. Somebody from our transactions team is going to reach out to you in the next 24 hours and they will handle everything from here to closing. Mm -hmm. My team. Hey, Mrs. Smith, I'm working with Steve uh, on your deal over at 123 Main Street. Mrs. Smith, I'm going to be your point of contact from here all the way to closing. So if you need anything, you can call me. Here's what we're going to do. I need to collect some paperwork and some information for the title company so we can get you paid just as quickly as possible. Do you have just a minute? Mm -hmm. Great. And now we're going to start to collect. We call it a seller information sheet. And for us, it's about four, four or five pages long. And after doing 2,000 files, we know what the title company is going to want, right? right? Whether it's debt, divorce, bankruptcy, taxes, whatever, right? So based on the type of deal, mm -hmm. we know, oh, there's a different checklist for bankruptcy, dead people, whatever it is. So we're going to collect all of that information. So that's how we compress time and help you do more deals and uh, make more money. Because instead of you doing all of this at the end, after you've got your buyer, we're sort of behind the curtain, right? Mm -hmm. You're just doing your business, getting deals, getting getting them sold, sending them over to us. By the time you have your buyer, I've already got everything collected from her. 
mm-hmm. right? And I have to assume that you give the, me your Mrs. Smith's contract on Tuesday. I talked to her Wednesday. I assume Thursday you've got a buyer. Mm-hmm. Like we have to be fast. Yeah. So that as soon as you give me your buyer, I'm going to call your buyer and go, hey, Joe, working with Steve, one, two, three Main Street. Hey, man, looks like you're closing this in your LLC. Yeah. Awesome, dude. I need your Articles on Corporation, your LLC docs, and you're closing this with RCN Capital. My boy, Tim. Awesome. I need your, who's your contact over there so that I can get that over to the title company. We'll get your deed of trust done. Let's get this thing closed out so you can get in there and start rehabbing it. Mm-hmm. Boom. That's what we're doing. So we're taking all of those contracts. Once you've got them signed, give them to us. We will take it from there all the way to closing if we need to go back and collect some information from somebody. Yeah. No problem. But I just want the call to you to be, hey, just so you know, we're, we're scheduled to close this on Tuesday. Yeah. So I have to imagine 2,000 transactions in the last 18 months, more or less. Yeah. A lot of transactions. Yeah. There's more than 100 transactions a month. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, did you guys have streamlined the intake with the seller? Oh, yes. Intake with the buyer? Yeah. And managing escrow? Yeah. Where they're, closing, where they're closing on time. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of moving parts. So I got a good referral for you, I think. Okay. I think you got to talk to RJ, RJ Bates. Yeah, yeah. I've talked to RJ, and we were getting ready to start with him and, and his students, and then he started doing the TV show. Yeah, all right. Well, I will, I will make sure he talks to you. Because yeah. Because his number one frustration is title and escrow. Yeah, I've talked to RJ. He, he's the guy who doesn't want to let it out of office. Yeah. You know? All right, so if, any, if, you, you know, if this resonates with you guys, uh, go check out realestatedisruptorstc.com. Yeah. If you want to work with David, realestatedisruptorstc.com. So what does your life look like right now? Because you and I were talking, like yeah. you get to travel and this. Like what does your life look like right now? Well, let me, from, from everybody in my office, they think it's great. They're like, you get to travel and you're going to all these cool places. And that is true. Like mm-hmm. I actually, um, you know, we've, we've shut down all of the other businesses in our company. We've stopped our wholesaling. I've outsourced all of the um, properties to a property manager. I don't have any rehabs going. Mm-hmm. Like we are, we are, and the reason that we did that is because we wanted to be make sure we were focused on this business and you, the client, and making sure that 100% every person who walks in our office is focused on getting your deals closed, mm-hmm. right? I don't want any distractions, right? Because distractions will kill you. So, um, so my life is pretty good. Um, I've got a great team, you know, they are amazing. I, sometimes I feel like a little bit like a five-year-old. Like they're like, okay, you need to go get on this Zoom. <laughs> and then, you know, they'll come pull me in. Okay, you need to go get on this phone. So I do a lot of sales. Like mm-hmm. that's the thing that I do. But I do get to travel to be in a really cool place like this, y'all. It's pretty good. Um, yeah. I, yeah. Like I was in Puerto Rico with Robert Wensley and Jerry Norton three weeks ago. And then I was in Oklahoma City. And then I was up in Cleveland, Ohio last weekend. And then here. And then I go back to Nashville Sunday for my Cambrites investor fuel. So yeah, I get, I get to do a lot of cool stuff. You talk, you talk about you know, being the kid, right? I can totally sympathize, understand that. Cause like I got a drawer full of like snacks <laughs> in my office. Yeah. And there'll be times where they're like, Hey Steve, we need you to go do this. And it's like the simple, most mundane thing. Yeah. But that's the reality. Like that's, I needed, I needed to be treated like, like yeah. you go do this, you go do that, because we we're going a hundred miles an hour. Yeah. So, so another funny story that, and I, well, I'm probably going so long. I told you I have too many stories. But so in real estate world, they're always like, you need to get, uh, you know, to, you need to be the CEO and kind of remove yourself from the day to day. Sounds awesome. Sounds really good. Until it's Monday morning, and everybody's going into the conference room for a meeting, and I 
grab my bottle of water and my phone and my pad. And I'm walking in there and my, my VP of operations, Heather looks at me and she's like, well, where, where are you going? <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to the meeting. Oh, this one's not for you. <laughs> and man, like when that happens to you, I'm like, I felt like Charlie Brown. <laughs> like, well, what am I supposed to do? Yeah. Like, she's like, well, just go back to your office and do what you do. Okay. All right. Like, yeah. they think it's funny. Like, now, it's, you know, they send me memes like, happy you're not here. Like, we're getting a lot of stuff done. I'm like, oh. you know, we were talking about CRMs earlier. Like, I cannot even get into the backside of our CRM. They're like, you don't need that. Just go go do talking right. yeah. to his, his login has been revoked. <laughs> I have to request, like, we have a two-factor authentication yeah. to get into it. And uh, every time I send it, I get the uh, email or a text message. What do you need? Mm-hmm. Well, I need to know how many deals we've done in Arizona. I'll get that for you. Yeah. Just go, you do the talkie thing. You go do the thing you do. Well, you know, for the longest time, someone asked me like, Hey, like, what do you do in Salesforce and about this or that? I was like, I don't have a login. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. Like I, you know, I haven't been to the backside of freedom soft and I don't even know how long, you know, investor lift, you know, love it. Greatest thing ever, Mm -hmm. you know, Artemis mode. I'm like, Oh yeah, it's, Cool. Like, I don't know. So you talk about, they think it's funny. Oh, they and, clown me like there's no and tomorrow. my team thinks it's funny too, yeah. right, with me. However, Eric Brewer, right, mm-hmm. has talked about this, yeah. where you kind of go through a bit of a identity crisis you do. Yeah. when this happens, right? Because, like, this is the goal. It is the goal. We've right. read the book. We read Entrepreneurial Myth. You go to Masterminds, and you look up. It's like, man, that would be, that'd be so cool when one day I'm sitting in the owner's box. Yeah. It's awesome. And then one day you do sit in the owner's box and it's not, it's not a victoria, victorious feeling, at least mm-hmm. not initially. Mm-mm. No. And again, it goes back to that squirrel's nest that we've got in our brain. And, and now we've spent 10 years or five years or 15 years conditioning. I gotta be doing the thing. I gotta be doing the thing. I'm not working. I'm not valuable. Dude, your, your self-worth, mine, 100% is wrapped up in, you know, when we stopped wholesaling, Dude, I didn't like I had I struggled for a couple of weeks because mm-hmm. I've done it for 14 years. 14 years is a long time to be a wholesaler. And I'm like, I don't like who am I? Like if you said, well, how would you identify? Right. Like my pronoun is wholesaler. Like, I don't know. I'm a wholesaler, <laughs> man. I've been doing it for 14 years. Yeah, but you do all these other things. I, but but I'm a wholesaler. Yeah. <laughs> and so when you yeah, when you stop doing and then I transitioned also to this where you don't need to be in the meeting rooms. And, you know, yeah, it, it's so one, I'm so grateful and proud of my team. Like, I, I can't even tell you how much I love them. Like, I was on a trip. I think I was in Puerto Rico. And we were switching over to a new payroll system for, for Q4. And I had nothing to do with it. And I just keep seeing these things come across. Gusto, you put in this person. Gusto, like, this is, like, things are happening and you're not involved in the day-to-day. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. But a little part of you is, like, it tears a little piece of your heart away, mm-hmm. right? Like, just, that's just real talk. That's just how it happens. Yeah. At least for me. Yeah, so this identity crisis, this yeah. existential crisis, yeah, it's a real thing. I mean, as a matter of fact, uh, we have Aaron back there, and uh, you know, he's like, oh, you know, I work for Steve. You know, he's a podcaster. I was like, whoa, whoa, you're <laughs> <laughs> an influencer too. I am not a podcaster. Right? Yeah. like I, I own a wholesale business. Yeah. I'm an educator. I was like, but yeah, but you know, you do the podcast. You're, you're a podcaster. I was like, mm. <clears throat> right, and then. We look, it's like, oh, so we're doing real estate disruptors on Wednesdays, part of the disruption on Thursdays, yeah. certainty talks on Fridays. Like, I guess I am. Damn, I am a podcaster. Yeah. Well, you know what's interesting? And, and this is how I've looked at a lot of 
things that I've learned over the years, land trust. Let's talk about land trust. So in the beginning, you're like, this is really cool. It's very simple and I get it. And then you learn more about it. You're like, oh my God, it's so complicated. And then you learn a little bit more and you're like, it gets simple. Well, that's kind of how our careers go, right? Like mm-hmm. it's wholesaling. It's very simple. And then you learn all these other things and it gets very complicated. And then at the end, you know, it's maybe like the sta- the stages of life, right? The crawl walk, you know, but uh, yeah, at the end, you, you now you've mastered it and you've kind of simplified it down to what's the thing that I need to spend my time doing the most on mm-hmm. me, talk, you know, us doing our thing. And that's like the thing that we do. That's the highest and best use, literally the highest and best use of our time. Right. You know, there are things in my company that I cannot do. Right. Um, I tell people like, yeah, I own a transaction company, the best transactions company. Do I like doing trans? Absolutely not. That's why I built it. That's why I hired the baddest ass team of transaction coordinators ever. Cause I don't ever want to do that again. Mm-hmm. Like I can do it, but it's not the thing that I'm the best at. Well, and you know, the team before you came on the show, they're like, Hey, like how comfortable do you feel like promoting David's transaction coordination company? It's like, I feel totally comfortable with it. They're like, but you were going to do, I was like, I don't know where this rumor came from. <laughs> I don't be totally clear. <laughs> I have zero interest. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's there's, there's been some ups and downs. There's some learning curve like anything, but you know, uh, we do the education side. Yeah. So if I teach David how to sell yep. and it doesn't work, it's because David's not working well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I see where you're going. It's not because my training's insufficient. Yeah. Right. We have plenty of successful people that have gone right. through a program. Right? right. But if I sell a lead service and a leads doesn't work, hey Steve, your leads sucks. Like, no, those leads are pretty good. But now we're having this confrontational conversation. But you've seen we've seen this play out on Facebook, right? Yeah. Like a lot. Right. right? Like, their leads sucks. Like, well, like, do the leads suck because I'm making a lot of money on these leads. Yeah. Right. And then, or, or a service like VA service, whatever, like, Hey, you know, this, this, this other service that you offer doesn't work. It's like, yeah. again, it's like, is it us? Is it you? But it's, it's not a win-win situation, right? Someone's gonna be upset and there's nothing you can do to make them happy. So that's why I, I prefer the education side yeah. because sales it just works. It just works, man. Right? There's plenty of case studies out there that it works, right? Right. And so, yeah, like when they're like, hey, do you want to, do you feel comfortable endorsing him? Because you were going to do it. I was like, nah, uh, uh, never. <laughs> <laughs> never going to do that. Yeah. It, we briefly talked about it out there. You know, we are, we are so incredibly customer focused um, because, again, you know, when anything comes up, I immediately put myself in the shoes of the client mm-hmm. and I well, did we, did we make sure that we did everything that we should have done? Right. Like, like if we're 20% at fault, we're at fault. Right. Mm-hmm. So let's not yes. do that. Let's train our people and be better. It's okay to have a mistake once. We never, never repeat the same, the same mistake twice. Right. But, you know, I understand that for somebody to hire us, they are putting an immense amount of trust in us. Mm-hmm. Right. Because your deal is worth 40, 50, $60,000. Our biggest deal was $476,000. A single deal, an assignment deal, or was it, well, it would, they double closed it out of Austin. If that four hundred seventy-six thousand dollars went bad, how bad do you think it's going to be? You could not find a good thing on the internet about easy REI closings <laughs> when that guy would have been done. Because I know what I would have done. Yeah. I would have had a scorched earth policy of the guy who yeah. screwed me out of that. Um, might even drive by your home, <laughs> dude. I am. Oh, I am. Oh, I always tell people in the game of screw you last, like. I don't lose yeah. <laughs> like that's the, that's the ends of the earth that I will go to. Yeah. So, you know, we, we take that responsibility really serious and, you know, we don't, you know, we work with title companies all over the country. 
like we have personally vetted them. Like when I call them or when my team calls them and says, hey, can you do an ovation? And maybe it's an area where we didn't have somebody. And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, we can do it. Cool. Can you send me a HUD? Mm-hmm. Because if I don't do that and I send your deal up there because some secretary told me that you could do a novation and this happens to people all the time, right? Mm-hmm. This is what happens all the time when you have a good coordinator and you send them that deal and, oh, and they don't understand how to juggle the listing agent, the buying agent, and all the people that are involved in a novation, which is more than normal. And that deal a week before closing, they call you and like, oh, like our underwriter just said, we can't do this. Yeah. I'm not making that call to the client to say, I mean, I am, but we are not going to make that call, right? Yeah. We are we never going to say. Bumpers in place to make sure we oh, have to make that call. God, oh, I cannot, I would rather poke myself in the eye with a fork <laughs> than let somebody down. Because now, especially in innovation, right? You've had Brewer on here. Like, it's not investors that you're dealing with. Like, if it's an investor, you'd be like, all right, cool, man. Let's just change title companies. Whatever we got to do. You're dealing with a retail buyer and a retail agent, First thing they all think of is scam, crazy thing. Like mm. we're going to pull out of the deal. And now your 60, 80, a hundred thousand dollar deal is up in smoke. Yeah. Who are you going to blame? This guy. Right. Again, you would not be able to find one good thing by the time <laughs> I was done about me online after, after I was done. Cause I would be in every group telling the world about it. Right. So, you know, we have to hold our team to an incredibly high standard. What is your why? Mm. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, you know, I, 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 a lot of people, their why is like, oh, I want to build, and I'm not d- diminishing anybody. It's like, I want to build a, a, an orphanage in South Africa, or I want to do, I want to save the whales, or I want to do whatever. Um, I don't, honestly, I think that's a bunch of crap when people say that. Mm-hmm. I think they're saying that because they, they think that's what people want to hear. I think your why is, first of all, like, it has to be for you first. Mm-hmm. Because here's the reality. You know, this is a lot of work. Like being a, whether you're starting a muffin shop or a sign shop or a wholesaling company, it's a lot of work. And especially real estate where there's no like blueprint, right? There's very few franchises yeah. for what we do because it, it's so goofy and everything we do can be a little bit wacky. So, you know, your why is you, you want to do this and make money, I would hope. You know, I think there are some secondary whys like you enjoy helping people. Um, I guess I wanted to be rich, man. I wanted to make a lot of money. I think I always knew, um, and I, I get how that sounds, um, and that will be the soundbite, right? Um, we'll I, make sure that's the soundbite. That's going to be the, awesome. That's, that's going to be the intro into today's Yeah, show. I wanted to make a lot of money, right? That's why I got in this business. <laughs> so, but I, you know, as an entrepreneur, and I've had this conversation with other people too, like from the time I was a kid and I had all these different jobs growing up, I knew that I was going to do something, mm-hmm. right? When I was running the hardware stores and I'm, I'm going to be the manager, and then I'm the manager, I'm like, you know, I think I could be district manager or vice president or why couldn't I be president? I make good decisions. I, I could do this, right? Like I always knew there was something, right, that, that I was going to do. And I found that's a commonality between a lot of mm-hmm. a lot of investors who come from some type of corporate background. Um, but so there was that, right? There was some drive. Like I wanted to see what I could accomplish. What's the next, you know, hill that I could, accom- hill that I could conquer, right? We conquered wholesaling. We conquered rehabbing. You know, we had a pretty successful course. Now we're, we're going to do this. What happens after this? I don't know. But I think there, there are drivers. Um, you know, probably the, you know, the other regret, the biggest regret that I've got in my life is my dad, before he passed away, I wasn't able to take it. We were from New England, so he was a big Patriots fan. And, you know, I wasn't able to take him to a Super Bowl. That was, that's kind of, a, kind of a big regret. So, you know, a driver for me is, geez, would my, you know, 
would my dad have been proud of, of the thing, the things that we do and the things that we've accomplished, yeah. you know, like my mom, I'm like, Hey, so we had like the vice president of first American, you know, national title insurance come into the office the other day. She's like, Oh, that's great. She's 78. She has no idea that like, it's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I'm going to show her this podcast. I'm like, it's a big deal. Right. <laughs> you know? So I don't know, maybe I don't, uh, again, lots of therapy could be involved here. Mm -hmm. Right. To try to figure all that out. Um, you know, I, I wanted to be successful. I just knew that there was there was something that I could do, um, and luckily, real estate resonated and was the thing. Yeah, I totally get that. What's your biggest struggle right now? Um, biggest struggle, honestly, just getting the message out about who we are and how we can help investors. Yep. So obviously, podcasting, going, getting all over the place. Are you in Family Mastermind? I am the greatest mastermind. I love yeah. it. Love it, so love it, love did it. Did you know we're going to be doing Pardon the Disruption Live? I on saw Monday. that. I saw that. That's very cool. It's going to be insane. I know. Like, are uh, they going to be broadcasting it live, too? We're not going to be broadcasting it live, but man, it's going to be going out there and making sure the screens yeah. look just like it does oh, during so the show. Cool. That's cool. That's, that's the vision. We're setting stupid high standards. No, dude. Yeah. I think it's really cool. I think it, it elevates it to a, to a whole new level. Yeah. And every year, Matt, God, he comes up with crazy stuff. So... So Family Mastermind is a mastermind of um, coaches and influencers and service providers in the real estate industry, right? I call it the Guru's Ball. Okay. So be, when I had first heard about it, it was back when he did the public version. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I had some friends that were going, Nick Perry and some other guys, like, I'm Ricardo. Oh, you got to come. I'm like, because I just started coaching. I'm like, oh, God. Guru, the, it's going to be all these gurus and coaches. I'm like, blowhards. It's going to... All maybe, right, maybe a little bit of pissing contest. Yeah, like it's gonna be this, right? Ugh, you know. So I go down there, and again, like my first Rio, sitting in the back, but I was just blown away at how nice and genuine and giving all of these guys were, right? Because again, I come from the world. Oh, you know, this guy's just not in it for the money, and you know, and the reality is, I had no idea how hard any of this is. Mm -hmm. No idea. Like, like, oh, I'm gonna do a little coaching. I'm gonna do this thing, and or I'm going to launch this company. And then you realize, oh my God, it takes a freaking village <laughs> to produce this stuff, right? Mm -hmm. The content guy, you know, the, the, the sales guy, the CRM guy, the, the website guy, the, like, you know, and then you've got this staff of $200,000 a year of support people that it takes to, to really get it all. And I don't think people have any appreciation for how much work goes into all of this stuff. And especially like the free content. Like if you guys, I feel like I should take my camera out and like zoom and show you what this room looks like. And, the freaking money that was spent here on all these cameras is insane. Uh, it was not cheap. <laughs> uh, how do you measure success? Man, I don't know. Uh, uh, you know, I was telling someone the other day, I, I feel like I leave the office every day. And again, because I have this squirreled up view of reality, it's never the success, right? It's never the thing that went good during the day. It's, you know, what could we have done better? You know, what could we tweak you know, and it feels like every day is just these, as an entrepreneur, and this has always been the way, every day is just this little little, little series of battles, right? That you're always trying to overcome to, to inch forward a little bit. Success, I, I, you know, you always have to do some, maybe it's a number, right? Oh, when we get to 700 clients, that'll be, that'll be success, right? Sheik, my video guy, he, he jokes like, this is what success feels like. I'm like, is this it? He's like, dude, you're in the biggest podcast in real estate. Of course, this is what success feels like. I'm like, I know, it's really cool. But what's, and then you start, what's next? What's next? That stupid trap, right? Mm -hmm. What's the next thing? Like, I don't know. Could I come back twice? Like, I don't know. Like, what's the, what's the next thing? You know, yeah. what, what is what's it? What's the next, uh, you said, what's the next hill we're going to yeah, conquer? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
So you already talked about your superpower. What is the... What's your single biggest victory? Like, man, like, the accomplishment, the biggest one. Um... I think for sure that that $1.1 million deal, you know, the no money down, 4%, 17 years, that's a huge accomplishment. That's a grand slam hit. That, that, that's certainly big. Um, crossing $100 million, like, it emotionally hit me a little bit the other day because I'm always researching everything and looking at title companies and a lot of time looking at title companies lately. And, you know, I see them like, oh, year one, we did 25 million. Year two, we did 50 million. Year three, 83 million. Year four, you know, 112 million. I'm like, it in 26 months yeah pretty cool that's really cool yeah yeah it, it again not because of me because yeah. i have an incredible team so on the flip side of that yeah what's your biggest failure um that i i when when we were going through coming out of the or during and coming out of that last recession that i didn't buy more properties yeah. Like 100%. You and me both. Dude. I sit around with like, because Chattanooga at the time, we were the first people to wholesale on any kind of scale. So there's three or four of us that were around then. My brother, a friend of mine, Randy, um, another kid, Justin. So we'll sit and like, we're the old guys in the re the Rio room. And we're like, dude, that property we sold made four grand on just sold for like 600,000. You know, it, it, it we get, we're self-aware enough to know that we were younger and poor and we needed that 3,000, 10,000, 8,000. But God, if we'd have kept more properties. You yeah, know? no, I, I look at those, right? And it's like, I don't have the money today, but I'm going to be ready for the next massive downturn. And I was ready when COVID hit. I'm like, so okay, was I. here it comes. And Buckle no. up. It's going to happen. <laughs> I was so excited. And then we hit this little thing in last year. And I'm like, here it comes again. It's going to happen. Didn't happen. Yeah. I, I don't know that it's going to happen again for, for another half a decade, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, what book have you gifted more than any other? Um, more than any other, I've given away, never split the difference with Chris Voss a ton. I've given away a lot of rich dad, poor dad. Um, here's a great book that taught me a lot. And it's the reason that I ended up in Chattanooga It's from a guy named Dave Lindahl and it's called, uh, emerging markets. And I've never seen a better, simpler explanation of, market cycles in the United States, real estate, specifically market cycles, and how, um, you know, it's not nationwide. It's not even state level. Sometimes it can be very local, but why one, one area is, is on the upswing and one area is on the downswing. And that book, very fundamental to, first of all, us moving, why we picked Chattanooga to move there. And then also when we started going nationwide with our wholesaling company, it allowed us to be able to look in and evaluate markets and say, okay, and this is, a, this is a thing that I ask a lot when I'm in different areas. I was just in Oklahoma, and I said, okay, like, let me ask you this. What do people do here? What drives the economy? What are the jobs, right? Like, what, what's the thing here that's, that's making, you know, Oklahoma City like a hot rental market, right? Mm -hmm. so, so it gave me a different perspective on how to, how to look at markets. So I love that book, and I've given it away a ton. Got it. Oh, makes total sense. Yep. So I want you to think about some last thoughts before uh, we wrap up. The These show. are always the tough ones. Last thoughts. Yes, exactly. All so. right. Uh, guys, all right, so uh, it's end of July, two months from now, Ryan and I are doing a sales leadership boot camp, two full days. Uh, Ren, um, it's kind of crazy. He's, he, he did 835K, right, last month in wholesale revenue. Nice. Um, he is absolutely certain that by the end of the year, he'll have a million-dollar month. Good. If you want to learn what it takes to build a business where you can do a million dollars, let's just say 800K, 
right? And gross revenue. Definitely check it out. Text LEADERS to 33777. LEADERS, L-E-A-D-E-R-S, to 33777. So how amazing is that to be able to buy your way into a room with somebody who's doing that kind of volume? Like, I'm going to tell you, that's pretty cool, right? right. Like, you know, that, that's incredible that you yeah. offer that. There's people that talk about it. Then there's people that are going to and, and swipe people, the card and show up and, yeah. and grow their business. Right. And he can show. He, can do, he, he has the HUDs yeah. to support that. And if you guys are interested in, in, uh, in working with Dave, realestatedisruptorstc.com. Yep. Uh, what message do you want to leave all the listeners with? So, man, being an entrepreneur is tough. Like it, it's, I'm going to tell you, it can be, you can feel like a man or a woman on an island. You really can. And what I, I tell people, and, and I was so scared to do this in the beginning, right, is, is find a tribe. Find some people that are, can be on the journey with you, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you're going to have days that are tough. And if you're just alone by yourself sitting at your kitchen table looking at those three leads, you're like, I don't know what to do here. Like, who can you call, right? I am so lucky now that because I've traveled all over the country. I have some great, great friends in all areas of the country. And whenever something big comes up, I can call them and be like, hey, Uncle Charles, what do I do here? Hey, Nick Perry. Hey, you know, what do I, what, 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 what's going on in your company? How would you handle this? Mm-hmm. And conversely, they will, can be able to call me and, and I can do that same thing. So, you know, find a tribe of people to be on this journey with um, because trying to do it yourself is really lonely, yeah. right? It's, it's incredibly lonely. And you will sit in that kitchen or wherever you're at thinking, this is hard. Nobody does this. It's all a bunch of lies. It's a bunch of crap. And the reality is getting on the other side of doing that first deal and then your second deal and then your third deal is the most amazing thing ever. Like yeah. it has allowed us to truly live a life that I want to say I don't deserve, right? But like we've been all over the world, like all over the world and seen so many great things and different cultures and in like all of it came from real estate and from wholesaling and deciding to drive back to that RIA get out of the car, walk in there, force myself to pay my 20 bucks and sit there and start listening to people. So that, the thing I would say is don't give up. Yeah. So I think there's a couple of different messages here. Uh, I think the first one, finding a tribe, I absolutely, absolutely believe that. And the the thing is not to say that it's anything special about our industry specifically, but if you're in real estate and you're in an early part of your journey, your friends and family generally have no idea what the heck we're talking no, about. No, the average person, what is it, two or three houses in a lifetime? Yeah. They don't understand what we're doing. So you got you got to find a tribe of yeah. other uh, people that are doing this. And uh, what was the second part you were talking about? Um, I forgot. Rewind but, the tape. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think I think having a tribe is, is so yeah so paramount. And then the relationships, right, like... Being able to pick up the phone and call somebody else when yeah. you're stuck, it is absolutely lonely doing yeah. this yourself. One of the great stories, and I will butcher this story, but is one of the, the the Navy SEALs that wrote the books. And he's like, hey, when we were in BUDS, when we were in tra- uh, training camp and we were doing that thing where we're up for four days straight, he's like, you know, there's six or eight people in the in the canoe or in our group. And he's like, listen, there are some days where one of us is at the lowest of the low. Right. And you got to tell people, hey, man, I'm having a terrible day because there's also somebody in that guy that's seeing dragons. Right. Like who's on a euphoric freaking high. <laughs> and that guy needs to help you because 15 minutes later, it could literally be reversed. Right? right. So that's that's the power of being in a tribe. Right. Understanding that, hey, hey, man, I get it. You know, we're we're entrepreneurs. You're going to have a tough day. I'm going to have a tough day. 
Like, but we've got to be there to, to support each other. And I think in general, real estate is an industry where there's a, you know, if you're with decent people, like there's a lot of help to be given. And I wish I had realized that early on and not been so nervous to go talk to people. Yeah, I feel the exact same way. So if someone wants to get a hold of you, how would they do that? Um, I'm Instagram. That's really easiest way for me. It's at David Olds, R-E-I. Yeah, I started to say dot com, but yeah, David Olds, R-E-I. <laughs> Um, yeah, Instagram, uh, we, we post a ton of content about just what we're doing every day and real estate stuff. And I do my very best to answer all the messages. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. I I appreciate it. It It's an honor to be here. Thank you so Uh, much. I'm glad to have you. I appreciate having you on. Cool. See you guys next week. Shout out to Steve train. Jump on the Steve train. We real estate disruptors. 